Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We focus on the Latinx presence in the comic industry with a special focus on strong female characters and creators. Hi guys, welcome to episode 24. How are you guys doing? 24. Woo. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I'm good. So, um, I'm good too. Yeah. we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Excellent. So let's get right into it. I mean, did you, uh, well, significantly, I know you guys know out there in, 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 in podcast land that we were at an event at uh, the Latino Comics Expo 2017 on um, this last past weekend. Uh, what were the things that stood out in your brains? So this um, this Latin comic Latino Comics Expo was held at the Museum of Latino uh, of Latin American Art MOLA for those in the know. And um, the fact that there is just a museum of Latin American art was just like mind blowing to me. Yeah. I really yeah. am sad that I didn't have the opportunity to go and explore the rest of the museum. Um, but just in the special event section that we were at, um, that was just freaking full of Latino artists and creators, it was just so amazing to see so much creativity all from. Uh, from our people uh, <laughs> in one space, and to just and to know that uh, Javier, our guest from episode twenty-three, um, had to turn people away mm-hmm. um, was just I I don't know I just I'm still coming off the high of being there this weekend honestly honestly just thinking about it I get so excited again yeah and it's just like it was it was a lot of fun and I think I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting so much. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's just that um, uh, we had you had creators there, um, uh, artists and um, uh, and writers and um, uh, and just people who make their own wares and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like uh, of like T-shirts and like there was that one shop called La Catrina that mm, sold that was a bunch so of awesome. oh, that sold a bunch of like knickknacks and earrings and like. Uh, stuff that was very Latino, very Latino culture. Is that where I bought my tapatio socks? That's where you bought your tapatio socks. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we were leaving on Sunday to go home and never come back. Uh (laughs) I just happened to glance down, and I saw tapatio socks and i was like oh my god i have tapatio everything i have lanyards i have things <laughs> on my um magnets on my kitchen i have a t-shirt i have a freaking uh like uh what are those um bedazzled tapatio t-shirt <laughs> um i am so like i am team tapatio do not come at me with your crazy cholula shit like I, I'll fight you. Um, but I saw those socks, and there was short socks and long socks, and I was like, "What do I want? What do I want?" And I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm getting both." She and got so both of them. I left with both of my tapatio. I'm so excited about those socks. <laughs> Me and Eddie were already out the out the back door. We were, we, we 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 were talking about like uh, about the, the books and everything, how we did, and then we were like, "Where's Chris?" And then we turn around, and she's there holding. A sock in each hand, <laughs> and you could see the look of conflict. And then when I got over there, she's just like, "I'll take them both." <laughs> well, the same lady had a uh, Frida socks, which oh. I didn't get, but I have her card, so and she's yes, local. Yes, she's gonna be at um, Morcajete, Morcajete? Dominguero. Uh-huh. Excellent. Yeah, which I still haven't. 
gone. Been to, but now that it's not summertime, I think I'm more apt to go. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> is, oh, it, yeah. is it like, is it open Out, air? Yeah, it's oh, outdoors. Oh, yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's over by the little church at... Um, on Main? On uh, Olvera. Yeah, at, at uh, Olvera Oh, by Olvera Street. Street? Yeah. Oh, okay, right there, right uh-huh. there. The church right there. Mm-hmm. I love that church. My Catholic ass I, is like... I, uh, I've... I've been inside a couple of times just to like see it but Mm -hmm. whenever there's mass or there's any type of uh, event going on there whether it's a wedding or um i've been around like during easter when it's just so like i'm not religious at all but just culturally it's Mm -hmm. so significant there and just it's usually little uh little old mexican men and women going and uh, mm-hmm. sitting and praying and stuff and families and it's just to be able to see uh, culturally uh, the Im- significance of, of religion in that church in uh, here in Los Angeles is just kind of uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and um, there was a church, a Catholic church across the street from Mola. I, oh. I had to uh, walk past it, uh-huh. and on Sunday I was early, so I I I like snuck in with my. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I didn't sneak. Well, I just went in, and I was just like, since I'm not going to church, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> might as well just swing by and see. And it was so funny because I got there, and then I hear someone speaking. Of course, it's the priest, but it takes me a while to register that he's speaking with. A heavy Irish accent oh, in oh, English, cool. and I wanted to laugh so <laughs> hard. It's not surprising because yeah. Ireland is like the next very, uh, yeah, Catholic very like Catholic. place outside of Spain mm-hmm. itself, um, and most Latin American countries. But it was just so funny to me and so out of place because the church was just full of brown people, <laughs> <laughs> and you just uh, and you have this like small like white red-headed priest at the front and he's with a thick irish accent i was just like this is hilarious oh my god i need to get out before i actually <laughs> do start laughing <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um but and then but it but that church itself was really pretty too. yeah their stained glass windows were so nice mm. i love stained glass windows absolutely they're very beautiful mm-hmm. <clears throat> For me, uh, significantly, there are some uh, episodes. I mean, the whole thing was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was great. Everybody was so inviting and welcoming and friendly. Um, as a matter of fact, I was so high off Saturday when I walked in on Sunday. I'm like, good morning, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I felt like the sound of music was going yeah. to break out into song and dance. But yeah. I was so excited, you know, and, and especially when they tell me that on Sunday it's free. And I'm like, there's going to be even more people. It's going to be awesome. Um, we almost ran out of all of our candy bags. Yeah. yeah. How many did we, did you make, Kristen? I made uh, 300. That's we were probably good. left with like 50. Yes. That's we, pretty awesome. We gave those away like candy. <laughs> I felt a little, I felt a little weird because there were kids looking at the table. Of course, they're looking at the candy and I'm like, do you want a candy? Yeah. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> You see, that's why at one point I just started, I was just like, feel free to take a piece of candy with our info card in it. Yeah. Because I was just like, I feel weird saying, free candy. Like, <laughs> so kind of creepy, like if I got a white man out in the back. Right, like, exactly. follow me. Yeah, exactly. Some people, some people even made jokes about that. And I was yeah. just like, that's it. I'm changing how I'm saying this. <laughs> yeah, it was a little creepy. Um, yeah, like you said, you have to rephrase it. Um, another thing that stuck out in my, in my head was... Um, uh, Kristen was the moderator for the Latina Power 
uh, panel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough. Jen said, if you want to go record it, go ahead. I'll, I'll man the table. And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I rushed over there, I set up everything, and then I recorded the whole panel. Mm-hmm. The audio is a little off, so hopefully I can fix that and then share it with everybody out there listening. Because uh, let me tell you, it was so powerful, so uplifting, so amazing that when I got out of there, I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. Am I doing enough? Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, look at these powerful women. And all of them were, like, super smart. Yeah. And just really just I was just in awe. They the the panelists were freaking amazing. Oh, yes. Um, They knew their shit. I mean, from all the way from um, co-founders of uh, publishing companies down to grassroots movements of um, uh, like fanzines and like that kind mm-hmm. of thing that were like uh, female empowerment and uh, just really amazing women, amazing stories, and just le- hearing the work that they're doing and how involved they are in their community was super, super powerful and motivating for sure. Not only that, some of the things they spoke about, like, they kind of resonated with you. Like, you felt like at some point in your life you might have gone through something like that. So it was just Uh like, it's like she's, you know, killing me softly with her (laughs) words, killing me softly. Like, it was amazing. Like, like I wanted to clap after everybody spoke, like, their own individual stories, but I couldn't because I was holding the camera. So. But um, it was just so amazing. I was like, I came back to the to the table and I told Eddie, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so pumped. Like, I'm so like, I want to just uh, I just feel like I could tackle something, you know, like, I, you know, I just was so. And after that, it was like my second wind of full energy. blast. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. just amazing. I, I was very, very um, happy to come across multiple people the rest of that afternoon who just had nothing but great things to say about that panel and all the women that were on it and i mean i just moderated uh and kind of asked the questions and it was all them for sure and um the fact that so many people said oh my god an it wasn't even an hour like 45 minutes whatever it wasn't enough like someone a woman that was sitting in the panel when i uh was uh walking around and like looking at things um, to buy was like I was in your panel it was so amazing and uh, I just wanted it to go on forever like let's have like a retreat or something <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea actually and, and it's so true because I think you guys only took two questions from the audience because yeah. uh-huh. that's all there was time for but yeah. like I was like okay what do you want to ask what do you want to know like Sarah think of a think of a question <laughs> and I was ready to to ask something I don't remember right now what it was but I kind of in my mind I wanted to ask something um, but I, we didn't get a chance to. But it um, it was just really great. I, I thought it was so full of positive energy and such fuerza. Yeah. It was just mm-hmm. really great. I mean, I wouldn't call it anger, but I would call it like moxie. It was great. Determination. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it was really great. So that was one of one of the many highlights for me. And also, um, I did a fail. And I'm going to put it out there because <gasps> What'd you do? he might be listening, hopefully. <laughs> um, so I throughout the con, I'm like kind of talking. Throughout the con, like I sporadically would talk or would like silently stare at Jaime Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. 
I know what's coming. And then at the end, I was like, oh, my God, I want to get something signed for Matt, my friend, Matt Hibben, who has a tattoo of Hopi and somebody else. I, I don't know who else he has tattooed on himself. I asked him for a picture, but he never posted it. Um, but I wanted something signed for him, and see, he had some issues. So um, I went over there hoping to get some an issue signed for my friend Matt. And uh, when I went there, they were all gone. And all he had was, like, old calendars and some cards. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, or a book, which I couldn't afford at that point because I was kind of poor at that at that mm -hmm. point. It was already close to the end of the con. And um, so he, he tells me, he's like, well, they're selling my books over across the table. So I go over there, and I'm, like, looking for who's manning the table, and the guy's not there. And I'm just like, okay, he uh, he might leave. Oh, my God. You know, Gilbert already left. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just like, oh. So I, when he comes back, I just grab the, I just grab a book, pay for it, and then go and run over there to get it signed. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> it so happened that when I put the book in front of him, it was Ophelia. And Ophelia is a book by his brother, not him. Yeah. He's like, well, this is my brother's, but I'll still sign it. <laughs> and that was super nice of him. He didn't have to do that. But I felt like the biggest uh, idiot in the world. I'm just like, I'm red. Bigger or smaller mm. than when you said Jamie? <laughs> I said Jaime. <laughs> After that, I've been, I have been like super like Jaime, 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 Jaime. Jaime, Jaime. What was I going to say? Oh, my God. But no. just to be safe, I would say Mr. Hernandez. <laughs> so, para no ser igualada. Igualada. <laughs> honestly, half the reason I think that he signed uh, that book was out of sibling pettiness. Because like, if I created something... And then someone wanted it signed, but I wasn't there, but my brother was, and he signed it for me. I would be like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, I would, and like, it, on the other hand, if my brother did something and the person confused me, I'd be like, lol, time to troll. <laughs> and I would sign it anyway. So mm. it, it's, I, I'm very, very much convinced half of it was sibling pettiness. <laughs> Man, uh, so embarrassing. And then I had some of his issues signed on Saturday, but then forgot to go back to have his brother sign it because he he, it was a collab with his brother. So I'm like, great, you just failed like twice in one con, dude, <laughs> really, seriously. Get a hold of yourself. Because I get really starstruck. It's just really hard for me. Like, I think I even, when he came to our table, because by the way, guys, he came to our table. <laughs> yes, and he mm -hmm. he said that uh, when he originally met us at uh, East LA Comic Con, I I mentioned it to him. I said, you know, we met you at East LA Comic Con. And he said, oh yes, I remember. I went home and told my wife all about you guys. Mm -hmm. So he's probably telling his wife, you know that girl. <laughs> <laughs> she brought me a book that I didn't even write. <laughs> Uh, but in this in the same tone, I mean, earlier that day he was at our table, and then I was like, you know what? It's really inspiring what you have done. Um, you know, it just it's really moving for me. And then I think I got overwhelmed with the motion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. I just started tearing up, and he hugged me, and I was like, oh my god! So like, you know, I mean, it was, was it a ploy? <laughs> no. <laughs> Seriously, no, I got super emotional because I just I just felt so I just felt so moved. Actually, I 
feel your feels because when we were talking to him, when I uh, started explaining to him that Maggie the Mechanic was our first book and that it was just so inspirational and just his uh, skills and a writer and writing women so amazingly as he does, like I when I was talking to him about that, I got choked up a little bit when we first met him in East LA Comic Con. So mm-hmm. I I feel you. I feel you, too. It's weird, because sometimes I feel like I have so much to say, and I say some of it, and then I shut up, because I feel like I'm talking too much, and then sometimes I just stand there, and I'm like, hi, and then I just sort of <laughs> stare at him silently, and I swear he must think I'm such a nerd. <laughs> like, the worst okay. kind. Okay, so my favorite thing about the entire thing, besides the creators and all the content that we got and uh, everything... The panel of the Hernandez brothers. So oh, Mar- that's another thing. Mario, Gilbert, and uh, Jaime, uh, all three Hernandez brothers. Well, there's more than that, but the three, <laughs> the three that we know of, um, uh, they had a panel that was all about them, and it was moderated by a professor. And um, there was just, uh, they're very, very funny. They're hilarious. I don't know why I was what I why I was expecting different. But they're hilarious. And uh, when you said right now he must think I'm a nerd, I just remembered Gilbert saying <laughs> that the reason that they did Love and Rockets and everything was because that they, although they liked comic books and they liked everything about it, um, <laughs> so shit. Oh, no. that uh, a lot of the fan base and the creators themselves were very like, I like Spider-Man. <laughs> Five years later, I like Spider-Man. Ten years later, I like Spider-Man. And they're like, fuck that. <laughs> we want to write about punk. We want to uh-huh. write about love. We want to write about sex. We yeah. want to write about relationships and stuff like that. <laughs> and so he said that he, he must become a nerd. I just, in my head, uh-huh. I could hear Hilbert's voice saying, I like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly how he said it. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Man. I tell you. Well, I, I hope, I hope, that, and this is a, a message out to him. If you're listening, I'm sorry, and this is Sarah. <laughs> and I, I, yes, I take Sarah, full, Sarah, I, Sarah, 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 specifically. I take, it's not Jen. It I, I'm the queer one. <laughs> I take full responsibility for that error, and I turned red, and I sweated, and all that stuff. So um, hopefully... You can get past that and come on our show, please. <laughs> that would be awesome. I will bone up, and uh, and we can and hopefully we can talk comics. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, th- those were like momentous uh, um, things, and I was able to tell a lot of people that it's free on Sundays. So yeah. my my family, mm-hmm. some of my family came down, and they were like, "Oh my God, thank you so much Aww. for." Uh, telling us about this event because it's so amazing. They talked to a lot of artists. Yeah. Uh, my aunt was, she said that she talked to one artist who did, um, I think he did a um, kind of an etching print. Mm. Uh, he was two um, two tables down from us, and he, she said that his story was so amazing that it made her skin, like, she just got goosebumps wow. just talking to him. She said she almost teared up, too. So I was like... I want to know. Yeah. So when I, whenever I would go to the table, it was full of people. So I never got a chance to go. So I'm, I was wondering if I can um, speak to the co-founders of 
um, maybe email them and let them know that <coughs> it would be really cool if like everybody posted their website on the events page. Oh yes, and that, that would way be great. because yeah. a lot of us got cards or misplaced them or yeah. didn't give out cards. So like this way you could just click on the link and say, oh, that's the person I forgot. That's to. a great idea. That is a good idea. So that that's what I was thinking. I was like, because a lot of people are at their computer and if they can just click a link instead of having to type it out, yeah, mm-hmm. it would be just so much easier and. We could be we could solidify the bonds and mm-hmm. reach out easier. There's a lot of people I want to talk to, especially get back like in touch with. I know I have their cards, but it, especially um uh, the woman who writes Lowriders in Space. Yes, yes. Like I I bought both of her books, and um uh, the artist is a uh, Latino, but she herself is um uh, I think she was of Arab descent. Yeah. Yes, and I, that's just so cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I was just like I want to know more about yeah. her oh, and uh, and her co-creator and like just where the idea came that because it sounds so cool low writers in space i'm and i'm oh sorry to cut you off but uh the thing i'm super excited to read is uh santa sucia oh yeah oh, my god. it's oh, my it's god. a zine it's not a comic but i am all about the idea behind uh santa sucia <laughs> that was yeah. so funny dude <laughs> How they came up with it. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, that's so perfect. So uh, apparently uh, in, I don't know if it was in, in college. college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, these, the circle of friends, the Latinas um, would go out and party and like really, uh, I guess, live it up uh, during the weekend and then, you know, go to church on Sunday or like pray <laughs> or whatever. Cause you know, they're Latinas and they're, that's what you um, do. <laughs> and they, said that they felt so guilty praying to uh, La Virgen that they were like, we need like a, a saint that like understands us and knows our story. Because so like, she, like she has to be a saint, but at the same time a little sucia. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's where Santa Sucia came and from. And it's perfect. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of Latinos listen to our podcast. That's the entire point of it. Yeah. But uh, to those that might not know what Santa Sucia means, it means nasty saint. Yeah. Or, 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 dirty. Or, or, or dirty or dirty or saint or or saint nasty or or dirty saint yeah well, any of those can be applied or interpreted so so if you're you're if you're like uh maybe not latino and then you have a latina girlfriend or or significant other you could say it is bien sucia. <laughs> and then Mileage she, may vary. <laughs> well, I enjoy it when I get. Well, my my grandma used to call me sucia because I would run around with no shoes on and come in with my feet all dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just killed it for me. I was gonna... That's why I said mileage may vary. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Maybe okay. Going yeah sorry <laughs> sorry I just I was going uh, so it's gonna go dirty on that one of the um one of my favorite parts of the convention or the expo um, was also the Latina Power uh, panel but um, my favorite quote of the panel was given by Melina Chavaria who is uh, the writer and creator of Magic Glasses. Um, it's a kid's book and I can't remember what the premise of it is, but I think it was like, uh, revolving around like, um, immigrant families and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I think, uh, deportation, uh, something like that. Like she was, no, that was, no, that one is Rosa Triste. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. But, um, 
uh, during the, I guess there was a question from the audience who was like, you know, do you, uh, how do you see, they brought up the Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. thing and uh, kind of asking about whether or not there were any parallels in the comic book industry. Oh, and, and she was yeah. saying how she um, wanting to like, uh, start her own business and be a writer and all this kind of stuff that a lot of times uh, they the the attention that we women and she was saying particular herself or getting from men would never put attention to her successes and to her work and to you know all the stuff that she loves doing that they would you know more ask questions about um you know whether she wanted to go on a date or like how pretty she was or mm-hmm. whatever and her, the best quote of the panel was um i i i'm your competition i'm not your date yeah uh, <laughs> that's, that's and i was just like i wanted to put that on a freaking shirt right afterwards. i know yeah. that was yeah. so cool <laughs> Um, one of the things I liked was uh, from one of the girls at uh, Santa Sucia, mm-hmm. and she was like, I don't know if uh, she's, uh, I think I'm talking to the right crowd when I say, are you guys familiar with X-Men? Yeah. And then she th- she's like, well, you know, like Xavier's trying to be like part of humanity and the human race, and the, he's trying to get invited to the party, where Magneto's like, no, we're mutants and we're powerful. Yeah. She's like, I'm on the Magneto side. Mm-hmm. And I was like cool i like that <laughs> i like i like the description of it all it was really cool it was yeah. just a really great panel so definitely looking forward to the latino comics expo 2018 absolutely oh, yeah, and latina power squared right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we'll have to let javier know that uh, we need like two hours or our own separate building or like a whole day full of uh, programming and activities <laughs> or maybe even both saturday and sunday uh-huh. that way oh, like you get a wider who, yeah, yeah who missed one mm-hmm. of the days they could still get yeah you see that at uh conventions bigger conventions all the time where they mm-hmm. have the same panel at multiple days and times Mm-hmm. And I will be happy to fiddle around with the audio. That way, you know, we could hear it more. Because uh, when they would open the door, we uh, it would be hard to yeah. hear yeah. Uh, people. And maybe, I don't know, I have all these ideas now. Maybe have like a foam backdrop behind them so that the, the, the sound does, doesn't bounce. It uh, often sound like an echo. Mm-hmm. A- anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, get, I get all carried away. I'm just like, I want I want to share the audio with everybody, but it's just so hard because it sounds like echoey and stuff so uh at comadre comics here on the podcast we will be reviewing quite a few books that we picked up uh Mm -hmm. at the expo and um we'll be highlighting the latino uh creators and the writers the artists all kinds of uh, putting up links to how you can purchase their items Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but um Oh, crap, I just blanked out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, we are actually going to be reviewing two books yeah. this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait to get right into it. So without further ado, do you guys want to add anything else from the convention? No. Other than just keep it on uh, your radar for next year. It's definitely uh, worth, it. worth attending. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so now to Jen with Chisme de la Semana. So... My cheese is kind of old cheese me. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, for people that are on Twitter and social media, they haven't heard by now uh, 
than you're about to learn learn now. <laughs> but um, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, a famous creator, uh, co-creator of uh, Miles Morales, Jessica Jones, uh, Riri Williams, uh, oh. many, many, many characters of the Marvel Universe. The pain has... goes deeper every time you <laughs> name another title. <laughs> hey, he has switched over exclusively to DC Comics. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, woes begun. <laughs> Marvel, you let this one man from 2000 write your entire history, and now he is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but What, what uh, publishing company did he start with? Was it Image? Marvel. Marvel, okay. He's been writing for Marvel since 2000. Oh, um, uh, but, Kevin, be, but before that, he did Goldfish and Torso. Wasn't that under Image? That's no. not Image. That's Icon. I icon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Icon is a subset of Marvel. Oh, okay. I had yeah. no idea. Icon is owned by Marvel. So, um, and he's still going to finish up whatever he's writing for Marvel right now, but his contract is basically up. Mm-hmm. They're going to let him finish his stories. But there's already a bunch of fallout. Yeah. Whoa. No way. <laughs> and poor sad people at the shop are buying his books and saying, "Is this the last one? Is this, is this the last one?" Oh no <laughs> way. Oh yeah. sadness. Uh, Kevin, uh, which Macaulay was absolutely devastated because he, yes. he, uh, which Macaulay, he has been reading comics since forever right and he said that he's basically bendis wrote all of his books that he was reading when he was a teen so wow. yeah for those of you who are new to um this uh idea of a kevin <laughs> <laughs> kevin is uh an employee at heidi hill comics in santa monica and he has this like super human knowledge of comic books yeah uh he knows a lot yeah he's just he just soaks it up Mm -hmm. but um but there was a lot of speculation and this was this came out november 7th uh basically um it's been that long already yeah Oh, oh shoot! We're still in November. Okay, now yeah. it was literally a week ago. Yeah, it's what okay. today's the fifteenth. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, or so the it's sixteenth. I don't know. Fifteenth, It's ba- it was basically a week 16th. ago. Today's the sixteenth. But it was basically after DC and um uh, and um uh, Bendis sealed the deal. It was announced twelve hours later. They they left no time. They were yep. just all like, uh, "We're announcing this now." Yeah, and the reaction. A lot of creators and writers, artists, did not know that wow. this was going down. I like they, there a lot of surprised reactions. A lot of like, oh, what happened? Yep. And um, uh, it we we have been told the reason of why he left. Um, uh, basically Marvel, and uh, basically the big reason that he left. Um, uh, Marvel Comics was because uh, Brian Michael Bendis, he's he's 50 years old now. Mm-hmm. He recently turned 50, and uh, he is from Cleveland. He was at uh, he was there, and he was uh, at the Superman exhibit that they had there. And when he says that when he went there, and this is all from the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, posted to Cleveland.com, mm-hmm. that uh, they had an interview with him, and he was just that when he walked into that um, uh, exhibit, he was absolutely in awe of their Superman exhibit. 
and that uh, he did a bit of self-reflection. And DC had already been making offers to him, but it was just the that exhibit show made such an impact on him and made him remember that he had always been in awe of Superman himself. Right, he yeah. really liked Superman. Right. And at the exhibit himself, he's just like, DC is a mountain that he hadn't climbed yet. Mm-hmm. And it was something that he wanted to do because he kind of wanted to challenge himself. And in his own tw- in his own Twitter, when um, uh, DC announced that he was going to be writing for them, he said, um, uh, he tweeted something along the lines that change is necessary, change is good, it doesn't mean anything, it means just a new, a new stepping stone. Yeah. So it's mostly kind of like a challenge to himself mm-hmm. and kind of maybe like... Uh, not exactly a lifelong dream, but definitely a dream right. to write something for DC. I mean, I, everybody mm-hmm. speculated when this news came out that uh, Brian Michael Bendis could not leave Marvel and not write an iconic character at DC. Like It had to be a big title. Mm-hmm. And so people were speculating Batman, but I was like, I don't know. They're not going to wrench that away from Tom King. Yeah. And so, I, honestly, I would like, I would be like, uh-uh, okay. <laughs> like, Tom King is absolutely killing it right. at Batman right now. Right. So, and uh, honestly, like, so many people come in for that book, right. Batman, by yeah. Tom King. Yeah. That's how I sell it, is <laughs> that it's by Tom King. Right. Um, uh, what? You don't know Tom King? Let me tell you Let about me tell Tom you King. about Tom King. Um, and so, he it's not it hasn't been confirmed that he is going to be writing for Superman, right. but it's definitely one of the books that right. I think they would DC would be like, uh huh, you want Superman? Yeah, uh-huh, by current writer <laughs> yeah. Brian Michael, but you're being replaced by Brian Michael Bendis. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I honestly would read a Superman by Brian Michael Bendis. That yeah. sounds interesting. He's, yeah. It's um, I I, I, I yeah. Oh, I was oh, gonna sorry. say I think that he has as a writer a mm-hmm. uh, a. Uh, good grasp on balancing like gritty and mm-hmm. also lighthearted and fun yeah definitely i think so too if anything his ultimate um uh run on spider-man and yes. miles and yes. everything bear really proves that he can write a freaking well-rounded character miles spider-man has been my favorite spider-man for the last couple of years mm-hmm. until i started reading spectacular <laughs> um, Spectacular Spider-Man by Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. I love that book so much, but I mean, um, <laughs> Bendis's Morales Spider-Man is just freaking amazing. It is. He has, and I, I, I have some issues with Bendis, but I will not deny that he's an amazing writer. Yeah. And I do love Miles yeah. Morales so much. And I love, I love how he writes teenagers. He has a good yes. grasp yes. of the teen voice mm-hmm. and uh, what like if I'm pretty sure that he could write an amazing YA novel if he put mm-hmm. his mind to it. Mm-hmm. Um and but and this is the guy that created that has shaped the Marvel universe yes. for the past what, seventeen years now? He created uh mm-hmm. Jessica Jones. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> who is that has her own Netflix series. Yes. She has like who would have thought? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that that's one of the ones uh under the max yes. uh uh-huh. That didn't actually survive, right? It it's no longer a thing. Yeah, that that one I did read, and the uh, cover art was done by um, mm-hmm. um, David Mack, and the story and the art was amazing. In yeah. that, I I would definitely uh, purchase it like a trade paperback. I I read it at Diamond and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while working there, but I would definitely purchase it again because I would really like to reread it. It was a really great story. I've only read the first volume, but it's it's really good, and mm-hmm. um, I think that it's um 
it's definitely a story that any casual comic person who's trying to get into comics or it kind of knows a little bit about would not expect from the comic medium mm-hmm. um because it's i mean the max title the max uh he kickstarted the max title oh really yeah so what? max is like mm-hmm. a subset of marvel and it was more of like the uh, if, for mature readers yeah, if, yeah. The, if the ratings are like all ages teen plus mature this was definitely like a, a mature Mm-hmm. Uh, mature and, uh, plus, mature plus. Mm-hmm. um, and not because there's like sex or drugs or anything, but just like the grittiness, the content, yeah, was the content, adult content. Uh, Punisher is also another title that has Max, um, Deadpool titles. has Deadpool. Max. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, there's a few others. I think they there was a Black Panther Max series uh, as okay. well, mm-hmm. or I might be thinking Marvel Knights. Oh, it might okay. be Marvel Knights, uh-huh. not Max. Marvel Knights and Max are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um. The speculation, like the other added on reasons that I think might play more of a major role than the idyllic one that, although really cool to be like, I want to write <laughs> Superman right. and know that you can. Um, there was there was the fact that um, he wrote, his last major thing was Civil War Two, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his books absolutely did not touch Secret Empire. Yep. All the books that he was writing did not touch Secret Empire yeah. at all. Um, uh, the one book that he had been Guardians of the Galaxy, after he left, it got um, uh, crossed over into Secret Empire. But after that, it, whatchamacallit, uh, all his books did not cross over into that uh, hot mess. So uh. the, the significance of what Jen is saying, if those of you who either don't remember or um, have no idea what she's talking about, Secret Empire is the Marvel event that happened over the summer mm-hmm. where Captain America was... Um, it's more it's more complicated than the words I'm about to say right now. <laughs> but um, the end game was that Captain America was um, found out to be a Nazi. Uh, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> uh, a Hydra agent uh, all along. Spoilers. So, um, which uh, is definitely the complete opposite that what Captain America has ever been known to be about. And um, the Marvel fans were being upset. Uh, upset is not a strong enough word. word I it. mean, it, they, mm. were they were livid. livid. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jinx. No. Um, yeah, they were even burning books, right? Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. my God. Yeah. Okay, as much as I hated that book, I wouldn't condone burning it. I don't yeah. condone any okay. book burning. So right, exactly. I actually never finished uh, <laughs> Secret <laughs> Empire because I just why got am I not so surprised? behind? Um, I read all the way up to issue eight, and I think there were ten um, yeah. issues. But um, that being said, I enjoyed the story, <laughs> and and the reason why is because uh, the beginning of the story really began to take shape take shape back in the um Pleasant Hill storyline which was like a kind of a side story mm-hmm. where we got introduced to the cosmic cube and uh all We're that kind of up stuff a little girl yeah uh, a little girl Koblik, Kob- i think her name is Cobalt Koblik, something, something like that something like that but mm-hmm. so i was really into the story and so that all um kind of uh evolved into this whole um, spoiler alert, but basically it was the cube's fault. She had, she had, um, really, 
changed reality and history and because she, uh, the Red Skull had come and befriended her and made her uh, trust him. And so he talked her into doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, so because I had read that story, I was like, okay, dude, it, we all know it's the cube. Mm-hmm. And d- what? Surprise, surprise, in, like, issues such and such, we find out it's the cube. Mm-hmm. So we, I knew that it wasn't true and that it, but no. I mean, and most people online were who were upset never even had read the book and had no, no they, idea what was going on. They probably just saw the cover and then that was it. But that being said as well, uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was a lot of, uh, it was a, it was a heated time. I mean, um, we had just uh, <laughs> we had just elected Trump, Trump into the presidency. I blame Trump. Um, there were uh, neo Nazis marching in the streets, uh, carrying torches, mm-hmm. um, all this kind of stuff, and so it was a def. I mean, I'm sure this story was outlined months, years, who knows how long before mm-hmm. all. I mean, who would have ever guessed? that Trump would have won and all this stuff would come out. And so I think it was just an unfortunate timing thing. Mm. Um, but uh, She said it was a heated time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I, I without bring, that being brought to my attention before um, and now really looking at it, I mean, it could, it could very well be a very valid um mm. A uh, very valid and accurate thing that you're saying. Another thing is that because going off that same vine is that his books weren't doing like they were still doing good, mm-hmm. but they were doing weren't pulling in the numbers like they used to. Mm-hmm. And there was the whole thing about Marvel being like diversity doesn't sell. Um, yeah, remember that yes. that little fiasco. Wow. Yeah, yes, and this is this is Bendis. This is why I will always respect yes. because he did cre- co-create. Uh, Miles Morales. He mm-hmm. did co-create Riri Williams. He did. He's done a lot, and he's done especially. He took the brunt of. He got death threats for creating Miles. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and um, uh, and so like the to be told by Marvel that diversity doesn't sell. Yeah. When that's well, some of his major work. Yeah. Is are these characters these I beloved characters? I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you upset now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was upset when I yeah. heard it. I was uh-huh. upset um at the at the time. Yeah. Um and that whole statement mm-hmm. is such a short-sighted and mm-hmm. also inaccurate statement mm-hmm. because that statement does not take into consideration um all digital reading. It doesn't mm-hmm. take into consideration trade sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of um a lot of the comic book industry these days, uh, women readers mostly read online and mm-hmm. trade. So it doesn't take into consideration a lot of those uh, statistics. And so when yeah. that came out, I was like, these people have no, no idea what they're talking about. They don't know their own business, mm. honestly. TBH. Uh, yeah, we're we putting it out there, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and another thing was that, Bendis was actually the one who wrote that scene um, uh, at the end of um, uh, of Iron Man when Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury comes oh, out uh-huh. uh, and he talks to Iron Man about the Avengers Initiative. Uh-huh. Bendis wrote that scene. Oh, wow. So Bendis used to have a say in, in, the, Marvel in, the, Marvel, in the Marvel MCU and then he was pushed out by Kevin Feige. Oh. And one of the parts of the deal of DC Comics 
is that he gets a say uh-huh. in the movie committee uh-huh. that with Jeff Jones. Yeah. And that that's interesting. Yeah. Especially with someone who does care about these characters. Absolutely. The whole whole thing about DC and why they weren't really working is because they gave no fucks about their own characters. And the Uh, people who were involved with the books were not involved with the the movies. Mm -hmm. Look, Mm -hmm. I will keep on calling out fucking Zack fucking Snyder. And (laughs) he doesn't know shit about Superman. And all he knows is a glorified, uh, like, self-fulfilling fantasy about Batman. And uh, uh, the Justice League thing oh that i told you about about wonder woman oh, yes. and her costume yeah oh my god yes did you see the costume uh oh side god. by side of the amazons yes oh my it, god no, I'm, I'm okay don't show me because no, i'll be upset no i, I I'm, i'll post it on the on, yeah. on the website i am i'm livid uh, just cha- changing the fucking directors is like the they got acclaim they almost they were nominated for their costume design, Wonder Woman was, and it was a woman yes, yes, it was who a designed woman. those costumes. And she and knew her shit. She knew her I, shit. I watched an interview with her mm-hmm. where she actually looked into the historical uh, like significance and relevance of what women actually, mm-hmm. you know, wore, and also what real, mm-hmm. um, what real... What was accessible at the time yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to have a zipper. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, and also just... What what makes sense? What's realistic for women to wear? I mean, mm-hmm. these are women who are going into freaking battle. Yeah. You don't have 90% of your body open exposed. up and exposed yeah. to in battle. And, 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 I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. even the smallest boobs do a pop out if the bra is too small. Yeah. I mean, every boob pops out, even the smallest ones. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, this all... Basically, they changed the directors and they changed the costume designers, and now the Wonder Woman, um, um, well, the Amazons have bikini armor. Yes, I and know. I'm that is an oxymoron if I ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> so they bikini have armor. Bikini yeah. armor, which is to say no armor at all. Right. Um, but, anyways, that's how you could tell that. <laughs> Honestly, I'm gonna go see Justice League, but just I'm to gonna, trash uh, it. Just no, just, <laughs> just for Momoa. Just for Momoa. <laughs> just for Momoa. Trashing it, trashing it is is what you call it is a, is a side secondary. thing. Secondary. It's, it's secondary. I'm going to go see Jason Momoa in all his shirtless glory. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Shirt, no shirt. I don't care. The fact that he's playing. Aquaman, and we just read <laughs> we Aquaman read Rebirth uh, Trade Volume One for the for um, the book club. The book club. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Yes, wow, she really? liked it. Uh-huh. I, I started out the the group by saying, "Look, if any of you have anything negative to say about my boyfriend, get out now." <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this is not even the fact that Jason Momoa is now no. Aquaman, uh, and I believe we've shared this story. Yeah. Kristen has shared this story before, but share it again. It's my favorite story. So when I was a little girl i used to watch super <laughs> friends on tv and my favorite was aquaman aquaman and every time he came on the screen i would kiss the tv <laughs> i had a penchant for little uh, little blonde boys i guess <laughs> a little girl <laughs> totally cute oh my god but anyways aquaman has been a long-time boyfriend of Kristen. Yes, and he never gets his due. And this, uh, the, the, if you want to read an Aquaman uh, story where 
Um, it's a little meta in that it, they talk a lot about how he's not taking seriously within the Justice League, within mm-hmm. just uh, even within as a superhero, yeah, as, as a, a king, as a king. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and this book actually really deals a lot with him um, trying to prove himself uh, across all boards and trying to navigate um, uh, keeping the peace between Atlantis and uh, the, the surface. surface world. Yes. So, um, and it's really good. I really enjoy it a lot. And um, I, uh, I was laughing because yesterday, also Aquaman number, I don't know what number it was. I want to say 26, but that sounds wrong. Um, came out, uh-huh. and on the like on the cover is freaking Jason Momoa Aquaman. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there was two covers. There was Jason Momoa Aquaman, and then there was long-haired, blonde, bearded no. Aquaman. <laughs> uh, so we're going back to this, and oh my gosh. <laughs> and the thing is, is I got excited when I saw Jason Momoa on the cover, and I opened it, and it's, not Jason Momoa. It is the artist trying to slowly, it appears, slowly transition, transition Aquaman into Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well. The way they are doing this is that they, uh, at one point in time, Aquaman, and this was the 90s, of course, Aquaman had long blonde hair Ugh. and had a beard and he had a hook hand. And it mm-hmm. obsessed it, it, it upsets Kristen it every <laughs> single time. <laughs> but in this book, um, the the hair is not bright blonde like normally. Mm-hmm. It's like a dirtyish blonde starting to turn like a little bit darker, mm-hmm. and it's long and scraggly, and just his features. It looks like the artist is like like I like he got the directive. Of, okay, make this as Jason Momoa as you can, and every uh, every issue, do it a little bit more <laughs> until the people don't realize that uh, they're looking at Jason Momoa. Um, but anyway, I haven't. I've only read the first trade. I haven't got this far, and and seeing the art um, kind of turns me off. It also makes me want to read it to see how they got to that <laughs> point. Maybe it makes total sense in the story, and I'm just like salty because I don't like long hair on my Aquaman unless it's Jason <laughs> yeah. so what was the book that you guys were, uh, reviewed on your it was um, it's called Aquaman, Aquaman uh, the Rebirth Drowning. the Drowning yeah it's the first six issues plus the um, Rebirth one shot of the uh, Rebirth Aquaman title interesting mm. yeah well, that sounds really good. Back I, I to what we were <laughs> talking about. We were talking about Bendis right. and how he will have a say in the movies uh, yeah. and stuff like that, uh, along with Jeff Jones. But another thing is that there was something that went down in the um, Marvel Comics Writers Summit. And yep. they, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. seeing this, too. And whatchamacallit. And... Um, Basically, and this was announcing about Marvel Legacy and everything, and how the Spider-Man title is going back to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Yes. Because um, uh, right now, Spider-Man, it just the solo title itself, yeah, it's Miles. is Miles. Yeah. But now they're giving it back to Peter Parker, and they're adding addendum, Spider-Man addendum Miles Morales to uh, basically Miles again. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of the many things. But what does that mean, addendum? 
That means that it's they're specifically putting it that this Spider-Man is Miles yeah. Morales instead that, of just because right now it the title is just Spider-Man mm-hmm. and it's Miles Morales Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but to actually be like. Spider-Man colon Miles Morales is taking that significance away from him. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So he's just a poor man Spider-Man. Is what they're trying to do. Uh, they're yeah. trying to, uh, <laughs> it? diminutivo. Yeah. 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 So dimin- and honestly, it was, it, uh, Bendis fought yeah. for um, uh, the current Spider-Man title to be yeah. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And he thought he had won, but then with Legacy, they, Marvel was just like, no. Take it all, and that's Taking the thing with back. Legacy is that it they it's like they're erasing a lot of stuff that um that has not really erasing it, but it's like they're taking erasing the significance of what it was, I guess, because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, um, you know what's really cool? We're gonna go back to the good old days of of comics and go back to the cool renumbering, and now instead of being thirty two, we're gonna go we're at we're gonna be at two. 32 or whatever and i mean i feel like there's been so much uh cool stuff that has happened within the last decade Mm -hmm. um and even just the last couple of years in marvel and just the backlash that they got from a minority honestly of people i mean for Mm -hmm. every person that says that they're not happy with it there's two people that i know that love it Mm -hmm. um and you're always gonna find somebody who is not happy with what you're doing but the fact that the stories are are well uh written Mm -hmm. and they're interesting and i don't know i just really um enjoy a lot of marvel's Mm -hmm. stories and i'm really enjoying uh miles and riri and uh, Mm uh lunella and all the books that uh i enjoy have a lot to do with you know Characters who are members of marginalized communities. And, like, one of their only titles to win an Eisner Award was Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. And one of their best-selling comics out right now is Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, fam, you're not giving this enough time yeah. to really see the numbers. And, one, you're not really calculating who is reading because, as Kristen said, they don't take into account digital sales. They don't take into account who's reading online. Uh, don't mm. forget the the great uh, idea of canceling books before even issue two comes out. Oh, yeah, Black Panther and I crew. know, right? Yeah. <sighs> oh. Crazy. Yeah. So, I don't even know what to say from here <laughs> 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 about all this cheesement. My mind is overloaded with cheesement. And my only cheesemen. hope is that the people who do take over um, Bendis' titles and Marvel continue on in the the same way that he did in creating um, a lot of just these amazing, iconic characters and really paying tribute to what he has uh, left for them. Mm -hmm. And hopefully he, I mean, I'm more of a Marvel girl than a DC girl. Hopefully Bendis... We'll write something over at uh, DC that really uh, sparks my interest. Mm -hmm. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But a legacy has died. (laughs) (laughs) And a new one shall rise. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell I like being dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) It is an end of an era. 
<clears throat> All right, guys. Well, now it's time for our beer segment. And this beer segment has been brought to you by Mustache Cash Stash's Eric Compton Eric, who has supplied us with our beer today. Kristen, what are we drinking today? So today we are drinking a beer that is actually a uh, collaboration between two breweries. Um, one, the first brewery is Cellar Maker Brewing Company, which is from the great big city of San Francisco, California, up north. And the other is one of my favorite South Bay brewing companies here in Torrance, which is Monkish Brewing Company. And Monkish is one of my favorites because they really specialize in Belgian brews. And those, as you may know, are my favorite. So... Jen, can I have you pour these while I tell the listeners a little bit about... Oh, my God, it smells so good. It smells very citrusy. Oh, my, I made my mouth water. Nice. Uh, so uh, the beer we're drinking today is an East Coast double IPA collaboration, like I said, between Cellar Maker and Monkish. It's called Keeping the Family Together, and um, it's kind of a funny... Uh, I love that name. It's kind of a, a funny uh, picture on the can where there's a, a woman and uh, she's like, it looks like she has a rope and she's like trying to uh, pull, is it, it's attached to a, a stroller and like her husband is, looks like, can I see the can real fast? Mm-hmm. Uh, He's on a mule? Oh yeah, the, okay, she, she has a mule, the stroller's on the other side, the stroller's on the other side full of beers of cans of beer (laughs) um and the little baby has a mustache that's funny um so it comes in a can it's a one pint can uh and it is um hopped and double dry hopped with nelson simcoe centennial mosaic citra and galaxy so that's like one two three four five six different types of uh hops there and um Gosh, I can only imagine what that's going to taste like because the smell, the the floral notes were so, so yummy smelling. Um, so the one sad thing that I will tell you about this uh, beer is that it's sold out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sold out at the uh, brewery, but that doesn't mean that you can't find it at maybe some distributors in your area um, who bought some of the cans and then um, are holding on to them to sell um, for themselves or a friend of yours might have picked it up somewhere. There's um, a lot of times where I've seen things that were sold out but then um, were available uh, at my local distributor um, here in Torrance, the Torrance uh, Craft Cellar. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so... uh, The cans are sold out, but uh, if you can find it, uh, it was only $5.50 per pint. Um, A four-pack was $22, so like I said, hopefully you can come across it. But let's see what it tastes like. And the... the, um, Visually, the beer is very... uh, it's bright. It's not as cloudy as some IPAs, actually. It's it's very a nice, like uh, almost like not neon, but it's a, it's a very vibrant uh, yellowish. Uh, it looks like orange juice. Yeah, it does. It's a, and it smells very citrusy. 
Mm-hmm. Every time I smell it, my mouth starts to water. I like that Jen uh, poured it with no head. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I yeah. didn't notice that. <laughs> you have to have the head. I'm sorry. Every no, no, no. I, I enjoy it without the head. No, no. you have to have the head. Every, <laughs> every Sancho will tell you. You have to have the head. <laughs> When you said no head, for a moment, I didn't understand. I was just like, was I sucking dick? (laughs) 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 Like, I don't know why. I'm just like, like, what, did I unadventurally make a gesture like I was sucking dick? Like, but, (laughs) 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 but no, then I remembered that the, the, the foamy part of beer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm loving it. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't taste as good to me as it smelled. It's very bland to me. It's not very exciting. No, it's not. I mean, it's. I would drink it. You know, I, I think I'm excited it. because for the last um, last week I, I was drinking Tecate, so I think that's why I'm so <laughs> excited about this. You see, that's why you should drink Tecate, Kristen. That no. way, deprive yourself of good beer. That way, <laughs> when, you that have way when, beer. You, when you have a good beer, it will taste like the heavens themselves. Yeah, yes, I, I agree. Okay, um, um, so... Uh, Sarah has been trying to sell us on micheladas for a long time. <laughs> yes. And at the con itself, which <laughs> they had a bar, yes. like that. Oh God, I oh, I love that. I love I love everything about that. So at the bar, uh-huh. they had um a little like menu that mm-hmm. was um uh posted uh outside. It was like a little mobile bar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super cool. And they had their menu that was sitting there so that you can come to see what you were going to uh, order. And right uh, off the top, you know what caught my eye was the uh, Jamaica Margarita. Jamaica Margarita. Freaking Jamaica Margarita. It tasted like nothing else. It was... So it was, amazing. It was beautiful. It was so good. I only want to know whether or not uh, Mola uh, offers their drink options on a regular basis. Yeah. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, because I took a picture, <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of the um, of the bar menu, and it, it actually has the name of the cafe, which is Cafe Viva. Oh, it has the name of the cafe. So those, uh, those drinks are available at the and cafe. And it says here, accepting credit cards inside. Mm, so makes sense. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers that these drinks are ongoing selections at uh, Mola. They had a Mola Ita, which was Corona tequila and lime. Which yeah. what that basically was was uh, the little baby, uh, a baby Corona, a, a baby. And uh. what they would do was, she said she would take the lime and squeeze lime juice into the neck, and then fill the neck with tequila. Oh yeah. wow! And that was the molaita. Oh my god, that sounds like I would barf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't. She said people love it, but when she was explaining it to me, I was like, "That does not sound good." I First, you're trying. Like, I'm like, for, seriously, lady, I have to drink a shot of tequila to get me to drink that little Corona. Yeah. <laughs> um, then they had the Jamaica uh, margarita, and then they had a michelada, which uh, Sarah, you oh, tried I had it, right? One, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what beer did they use? With I used Negra Modelo. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? 
Negra Modelo is okay. Mm-hmm. I if I have to choose one, I'm okay with that one. The thing is that you if you have to. Yeah, if yeah. you have to. No, of course. So the beer that they had um, available was Modelo uh, Especial, Negra Modelo, and then it said more selections at Cafe Viva. So I don't know what other things they had because we didn't go to the we cafe. didn't go inside. Yeah, yeah. but they had. Um, they had tamales inside, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, was there tacos, too? Yeah, there was tacos, too. So, um... I need to go back for those tamales. Yeah, Because we, when we walked into that con, the... They it, smelled. You could smell the whole smell. place was smelling like tamales. And mm-hmm. they had taco trucks, uh, not taco trucks, food trucks out back, which were... That um, robbed me blind. More <laughs> yeah. so than the con itself, but my God, was it worth every penny. Oh yes, my gosh, Jen had, uh, I think it was street food taco truck the first day, mm-hmm. and Jen had the most amazing smoked pulled pork sandwich. Uh, it was like a grilled cheese. Yeah, oh my gosh, it was so good. Sandwich. And that's what I was wanting to have the next day, but they had a different truck the next day. Mm-hmm. That sold me immediately. Yeah, it was, just a bon- <laughs> it was a Bon Me uh, oh. truck. So both days, both... Both days of the food trucks were good, but uh, I I never I intended to go check out the cafe inside, but I never got around to it. Yeah, next time we'll yeah. go on a Sunday. But back to this uh, to this beer, I'm sorely disappointed by it because Monkish is one of my favorite uh, local breweries. Maybe that's why it smells so good. It truly smells good. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it smells very citrusy, very. Uh, and you Not know, too, it doesn't smell hoppy mm-hmm. like a an IPA. It is a double IPA, so I expect actually a lot more hoppiness from it. You know, um, actually, um, you it know how it does make me feel warm. I I think I had more of a bigger sip than you guys did. And while you were talking I, about um, the drinks and the food at the Mola, mm-hmm. um, I I started to feel a little. I'm I'm actually a little dizzy. So I'm thinking this is one of those secret punches. It's an 8.7 alcohol mm-hmm. by volume. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, We've but had it's stronger. I know, but this one's really, mm-hmm. you know. It's very light, um, actually, but you still do get the hoppiness of an IPA. Not a double, though. I, I mean, for it to be a double, it's super light to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't taste any of the citrusy. I, tr- I taste I more of a pineapple and maybe some honey. Oh, I kind of do taste a little pineapple now that you mention it. Mm-hmm. Honey, I can taste, not the pineapple. Honey, Different. pineapple, mm-hmm, for me. Yeah. You know, one of the things I loved about, uh, I also loved about the uh, the expo was that people were walking around with their micheladas and their drinks. Oh, yeah. Only Latinos have <laughs> alcoholic beverages at a, at a comic convention. By the way, me and, me and Kristen had those Jamaica margaritas I like had at 11 a.m. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't do it. I actually had to tell my husband finish it. Because I actually wanted to keep drinking, but I had a the, 1 o'clock panel. Yeah. And I was like, no, I have to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> have to be sober. Well, uh, I got to know the guys uh, the, the day before where I had the, the Michelada. So, like, when I came back, I'm talking to them and everything. So, they hooked me up with the tequila, but it was just too much. Oh. So, I had to have uh, Frank drink the rest of it, my husband Frank, because I couldn't. And yeah. we, I was like, dude, I already feel it. He's like, are you sure you don't want any more? And I'm like, do you want me to dance naked on the tables? <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll drink the, the rest. I'm like, good. But yeah. But she shared her michelada. I didn't taste the tequila. 
No, no, the Michelada oh. doesn't have tequila. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you're talking about your Jamaica margarita. Yeah, okay, it had they, tequila. Yeah. Michelada has just a like beer. a beer and tomato juice slash clamato I crazy can't do that. concoction, and then rimmed with uh with uh tahin. Yeah, tahin. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Oh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot, especially when I'm hungover. That's like the best. I've only had um, what are, what is the tomato drink that you have in the mornings at restaurants? Um, Bloody Marys. Mm-hmm. I've only had a Bloody Mary once. I'm not partial at all to tomato juice. It was all right. It was enjoyable. The other day I was at Red Car Brewery in Torrance, and they have now started offering uh, michelada-type drinks with good brewed beer. And she let me taste some. And I could, I can actually see the um, the way that people would enjoy drinking those, like, early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, this person was drinking them for, uh, for dinner, so it, that didn't really turn me on very much. But as far as uh, flavorful beer drinking goes... But um, I could see the interest in, in it, and it didn't taste too bad. Um, so maybe on a Sunday morning while you're there watching the game or whatever. Or at uh, church. <laughs> <laughs> one time I had a Bloody Mary, I wanted to throw up. Yeah, yeah. It, it tasted like spoiled oysters to me. It, yes, if you use Clamato, like mm-hmm. that's... Clamato in and of itself is just a disgusting uh, thing to well, me. I, I could. I, I, my I, mom loved Clamato I, and like uh, just straight up Clamato. Yeah, uh. She like she she drank that shit like on the daily. She doesn't now. Gross. But I I couldn't I could never understand it. I was just, I could Who? just I would see her drinking of it that and I would be like no. Who thank thought you. it was a good idea to drink or make let alone drink clam juice. That just sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You guys are missing out on a whole different genre of drinks. I went to <laughs> Tijuana, and um, we ordered some drinks. Some They were um, tecates, mm-hmm. but they served them with, um, it was shrimp with uh, lemon juice, and Kristen's already making a face, lemon juice and um, um, purple onion. And th- that sat for a little bit, and then they poured it on top of the tecate, and then you drink that, and it's delicious. And then you have a little botana on the side. No, okay, I like to eat my food. I don't like to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm telling you guys. I, it, well, maybe it's an acquired taste, but I totally dig that. I dig it so much, so hard. I can hard. see favorite. Uh, favor profiles why other people would like it if they like that kind of stuff other people like anchovies I hate them true you got a point mm-hmm. you got a point okay. and so this is the face I made <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. so are we ready to review this beer <laughs> I've already drank it all I, I really like yes. it I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna go ahead and start I'm gonna give it a full I I'm very happy with this I love the smell I love how it incorporates my taste my sense of smell oh sure uh, my sense of uh, taste and smell together, like, in a very nice, harmonious way. I taste pineapples and honey in it, and um, I really enjoy it. And like I said, I was already feeling, you know, a little bit, like, woozy. So it does. So I feel like... And she is not a lightweight, let me tell you. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has little little specks at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. Um, Ew, don't drink it. You're going to... Have you ever seen that uh, Stephen King... Uh, from the uh, not night shift from Creep Show, where uh, 
the guy is drinking contaminated beer and he turns into this like gross weird blob creature. Oh my god, was that contaminated beer that he drank? Yeah. Oh shoot. Well, here goes nothing. <laughs> here goes nothing. <laughs> here goes nothing. At least I'll be prepared for the Halloween slash Day of the Dead <laughs> slash art show for this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll already be a monster. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm gonna give it a full. I, I'm I'm happy with this beer. Um, I I think if I had two of these cans, I'd be like happy. It is no, uh, what's the one, Ska, uh, the one that we had that one time that was, uh, oh, a collaboration with, uh, the artwork was, um, darn it, what was the, the artwork, nice, but the flavor it was the was skeleton, it was the, art, no, it wasn't, right. it was artwork from, uh, a uh, was it music group. I don't know. Oh, um, I, I think I remember. Rancid? No, it wasn't no, Rancid. Uh, but you're on the right ska trail. <laughs> ska trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. I just can't think of it. Anyway, anymore. it's didn't, not that. Didn't that one we give it a flaccid? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, we didn't. I don't think we went flaccid. We went flaccid with that one that I got that oh. I was like, what the did we go flaccid? Yes, we did. I think we've did. only gone oh. flaccid one. Wow. Yes. It was really bad. I'm like, I am not sophisticated enough to know if this is actually <laughs> what it's supposed to taste like. But if it is, oh. it sucks so yes, bad. I People, if you're looking for sophisticated beer reviews, this is not the podcast <laughs> for you. <laughs> My palate isn't, you know. Oh, oh, I remember that one. We gave it a flaccid and then we drank Sticky Monkey. Oh, yeah, Because we right. were so disappointed yeah. and it was like... And I like oh, how yeah. uh, we didn't like the beer. We didn't really like the uh, the book. And uh, Sarah <laughs> named that episode High Expectations. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh no. oh, no. That was the previous episode. Yeah. Yeah. The Chocolate Kiss one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> chocolate Kiss that made me think of buttholes every time. Every we time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, some people really like Remy. <laughs> If there was any correlation there, I think it would have been a better tasting beer. But no, it was just, oh, God, don't, uh, I'm just so disappointed. Well, that one, I think we gave that one a partial or like an initial. Yeah, yeah I think that was, yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with initial with this. I think that might be, I don't remember ever giving anything a flaccid, but I think this might be the lowest rating I've ever given a beer. And not because it's bad, but it's not good. Mm. It's not, yeah, it's not great. I am... I want to be kind because I it's like she said it's not bad, but I wasn't also wasn't very impressed with it. Yeah, it's. Well, I, gotta I would say, honestly never pick this up ever again. I think, uh, I think the artwork. Um, it's the artwork is cute. The artwork is nice. It, okay, it's a little comic. Yeah. Inclined. All right, because of the artwork, I'll give it a partial. <laughs> okay, just like we did with uh, Twilight Children. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, I was like, I, I, obviously, Hilbert was there. Uh, he goes by Beto, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I gotta ask you a question. And I, Jen was standing next to me, and mm-hmm. I know she was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! Is she gonna do it? I wouldn't give it anything to been a fly on the wall. In my in my mind, I was just like, oh my god, no, she is there. Can I ask? Did you do it? Did you do it at the panel or at their table? At their table. Okay, okay, okay. 
<laughs> what, was, what did you do? What did you say? Oh, I just asked him. I told him that we uh, were a podcast that highlights the uh, Latinx experience, yada, yada, yada. And I said that the um, I told him the very first book we reviewed was Maggie and the Mechanic and that the most recent one we reviewed was Twilight Children. And uh, I asked I told him that it seemed like during this for this story arc, there were so many like story plot points that were laid out that um, I felt unresolved were unresolved and that like uh, I wondered mm-hmm. if he had intended for it to go further and if those intentions had been cut short due to the untimely death of his uh, artist partner, mm-hmm. um, Darwin Cook. Cook. So, Darwin Cook. And the answer is <coughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, that the next installation that they were planning, they were planning on Hilbert doing the art and Darwin doing the writing. That was Darwin's mm-hmm. idea. Hilbert mm-hmm. said that he didn't think that it would work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he underestimated his fans, though. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So we all rated the beer. Um. It was just okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, if you were gonna give it to me free, I would drink it all day, but I would not pay my good money for it. <laughs> true. You got a point. It was five bucks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. Five bucks isn't a lot. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Very, very good and point, Jen. Look, put this alongside Corona Tecate and yes. all of those other ones. I would, in a heartbeat, yes. choose this. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I in, agree. In a heartbeat. Yes. Totally true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there we go. <laughs> oh well. Um, okay, so what are we reading today, guys? Oh my god, oh I'm so excited! God. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so, we had actually got one of these books at Stanley's Comic Con. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I purchased uh, Poe Noir, the second issue at Stanley's Los Angeles Comic Con. Um, I think they were debuting it there. Yes, uh, it was a debut. And I walked up and down those freaking aisles looking specifically for Po Noir. Po Noir. I was like, um, the only thing I want to get today is Po Noir. And um, so Jen's like, I know where they are. She didn't know where they were. And so <laughs> finally, I was like, oh, duh. I'm going to look it up on the app because uh, yeah. Los Angeles, uh, Stanley's LA Comic Con has this handy dandy app that you can just They go. have an app? Uh-huh. Yeah. You can wow, just go that's and... Pretty cool. See uh, who you want to see and see. I where the got us are. in the rough vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so um, I walked right up to the table, and both Tim and uh, um, Miguel are such nice guys. They're very oh, they sure sweet. Yeah. yeah, I really like. I really so um, we got that at Stanley's LA Comic Con. But um, it's important to note here that both of these uh, books are number twos, mm-hmm. and both of the number ones we have reviewed on a previous podcast episode, and mm-hmm. both of those number ones we purchased at the East LA Comic Con. Yes. And at the Latin Comics Expo, it was the debut of issue number two, wasn't yes, it? Uh-huh. Yes. Of, uh, of, uh, of Monty Gomez is the luchador. <laughs> mm-hmm. And please tell us your interaction with uh, the creators when they realized Monty Gomez was still the title. <laughs> yeah, so if those of you who might remember um, having listened to our podcast before, 
Um, there was a question that we had asked <laughs> of how come it says Monty Gomez on the cover, but inside his last name is like Montezuma. What was his? It was know. a very long first name. Yeah, but his last name wasn't Gomez. Wasn't it was Gomez. something else. So I was like, is that some kind of like, uh, like uh, clue for some kind of? Yeah, <laughs> plot we were we were speculating. Yeah, uh-huh. plot point that's gonna like be resolved at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, the the answer to that story here's some cheese man about Monty <laughs> Gomez is the Luchador <laughs> issue number one. Um, <laughs> Jandro Gamboa, who is the writer for uh, this book actually did not realize that he had left those inconsistencies between (laughs) the name inside on the panel and on the cover until he heard our podcast. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. And so um, I thought that was hilarious, and it actually kind of, it makes us relevant in a weird kind of funny way. (laughs) Uh, so this is oh issue. <laughs> this is issue two, and um, I was before I read it, I was like, okay, let me remember what was issue number one and why I liked it so much. So Monty Gomez is kind of like this uh, millennial type dude who kind of he's already left high school and he's in this like in between um, he's in a time rut. in his life. Where For he, the- for yeah. the, I'm sorry to cut you off. For the love of God, like man works at a swap meet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't really know what to do with his life. This is uh, issue number one. And uh, we see his friend telling him, get it together. We see his girlfriend telling him, look, get it together. Uh, and he's just kind of floundering around and happens to come into this opportunity to um, buy this secret, uh, interesting, mysterious box. Um, so for the, those two who don't know, when you have a storage unit, if you do not pay, they auction off your storage unit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that propelled that one show, Storage Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how Monty Gomez is able to get a hold of this mysterious yes. box. And so inside the box... Uh, are these luchador masks. And lo and behold, he realizes that when he puts them on, he acquires like superhuman powers. And each uh, mask ha- comes with uh, its own individual interesting power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So far, he's only tried two, right? No, he's tried three. He has one, tried three? one is lightning. One gives him cat-like grace, uh-huh. um, uh, and the other allows him to fly. Oh, that's right. Flying. I don't remember if it was three or four masks. It's four masks, remember. but isn't it four masks? I don't remember. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so that's kind of just a little synopsis of uh, issue number one, mm-hmm. and we really liked it a lot. We were so excited to hear about issue two coming out uh, for the Latino Comics Expo. So, mm-hmm. of course, we snatched it right up and um, wanted to uh, review issue two on our episode. And mm-hmm. I honestly um, was so uh, 
so super excited to see them there at the Latino Comics mm-hmm. Expo. Same. Um, I even have their Justice is DIY shirt on right now yeah. as I'm recording this episode. <laughs> yeah, because they now have shirts available. Their shirts and buttons. And buttons. And buttons. Um, there's also a Bad Ombre shirt uh, that has the um, the cat luchador. The Pantera. The Pantera, yeah. Pantera. I'm not sure what the Justice is DIY I think that's that's the lightning. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's a little lightning on his head. Mm -hmm. Um, This this issue has some guest uh, artists as well. So um, there is a... uh, There is a special pinup... Like, drawing in the back Mm -hmm. that was... um, that was drawn and colored in, well, it's black and white here, but um, by Javier Hernandez, who was our guest on episode number 23, and who is also co-founder of the Latino Comics Expo. And it's super cute. I really love it. Um, I, I, at first, I didn't realize that he actually is in the wrestling ring. Yeah, I thought he was just jumping up and down from on the ground, but he's in the wrestling ring. It's super cute. Um, and then there is um, the cover artist is uh, Jeremy. Let's see, what's his last Lohan. name? Lohan. Lohan. No, I thought that was the. Oh wait, no. Jer- the cover art. Oh, Jeremy Burley is the mm-hmm. cover artist, and then the back cover is Jim Lohan. So um, I. Just uh, think that's super cool that he got Javier to um, to do this pinup, and it's it's Go really pinup, cute. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, I like I like Javier's style. I know I like yeah. Javier's style. I, he has really thick lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and cartoony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in issue two, we come across um, Monty. Still is Monty. <laughs> <laughs> I think also it's worth noting that there is a, a page um, where um, you see Monty. He's reading a comic book, and if you look, he's yes. reading yeah. El Muerto. El Muerto, which is Javier's book. Exactly. Uh-huh. I thought that was so cool. A cute little Easter egg in there. Yeah. yeah. That Super is cool. Cute. So we see Monty in the beginning of the story where he actually is trying to do good with his, uh, mm-hmm. with his masks, and he's like, uh, helping with uh, attempted carjackings. He's saving cats that are stuck in trees. Um, and then he's also just wasting time hanging out with his friends, watching TV. We get introduced to a new character who is a, a police detective. Yes. And uh, I like the scene because he's there with his mom having coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're having a discussion about this luchador who's been in the news lately. And uh, how she's saying that um, it, she's happy with him, that he's mm-hmm. cleaning up the streets and helping out. And the detective's like, no, he's, he's breaking, he's he's breaking the law. He's breaking and the when law. I get a hold of him, he's going to jail. Yeah, and what I really like about that scene in particular was just like, he makes me feel safe. And he says, yeah. like, I'm supposed to make you feel safe. Just like, but mijo, you're the only one I ever see. Yes, you're and the only uh, cop that ever comes to this neighborhood, she yeah. says. And I'm it's so just, glad you pointed that out because I love that line. Yeah. yeah, and I love that too because it's, it's true. Yeah. It's, you want to talk about something that's real. That's real. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, in my neighborhood, there is just one cop car that passes, and everybody knows who that is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be real here. We all know when he passes. Mm-hmm. So we all know 
when either to book it <laughs> <laughs> or when uh, when we're when we're basically cool yeah and um and that's how it is in a lot of communities is that you you just know and yeah you just like it's yeah <laughs> you you know that there's only one cop and if there's more shit's gonna go down mm-hmm. and it's not in the nice way they're not there to protect you they're there for yeah something else uh-huh. mm-hmm. exactly i you know what i really like is in the uh after after that scene um he's there with his girlfriend and with dewar i love dewar oh yeah, yeah his yeah. best friend yeah he's, he's sort of like funny. a separate dude kind of like he reminds me of you know uh monster uh that one movie with the i forgot what it's called big hero six Oh, okay, and you know that kid, that guy who's like blonde hair, and he. Oh yeah, yeah. he's like the mascot for them. Yes, yeah. I, that's what Dewar is for me. <laughs> but th- in the next scenes, he um he he gets a phone call from his parents, and this was really surprising to me because he is like lagging it. Yeah. He's in a rut. Yeah. He's working at a swap meet. Um. The cool thing is he found these masks, and now mm-hmm. he has a purpose. But we find out that his parents are archaeologists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His brother is what? Uh, where, where does he work? Uh, he's not a lawyer. He's a he's uh, he's a doctor. His I believe his brother is a doctor. What was his, that the one his, where they said his uh, brother's girlfriend is a lawyer? Oh, that's and right. That they met oh, in Africa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of related to that a bit really? too um because like it's not that there's this thing where you you are surrounded by people with success and you're just like how can i beat that can i even beat that mm-hmm. and you're just kind of stuck in this place where you're just like should i even try kind of thing i mean mm-hmm. and her parents are doctors his brother is uh a uh what is it a it just says he's he, he says your brother. He and Emma set a date one year from now, but it doesn't say. No, she, oh, it says yeah. yes. Is he a do- is she a doctor without borders like him? So yeah, mm-hmm. he's doc. So this he has two lawyer parents and then doctor um, who goes out and does humanitarian work. So mm-hmm. I can I can understand where he feels kind of inadequate. Mm-hmm. And she's a lawyer for Amnesty International. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's some greatness happening here, mm-hmm. and he's like. Is and I do like that the fact that his parents he it's very obvious that he's Latino mm-hmm. and his parents are both of them are archaeologists yeah. yeah yeah and like his brother is a doctor in Doctors Without Borders like yeah. that's I really like that I think that's really cool but I also like that realness of yeah. like sometimes you're just kind of like the black sheep you don't really know what you're yeah. gonna be doing and that's where the kind of millennial aspect yeah but i also like that he has a good heart i mean obviously he wants to help out he does want to help out he does want to he's a good person Mm -hmm. and then i really like they introduce a new character he goes to the storage unit to to Mm -hmm. try to pay for his the plot thickens yes yes (laughs) this issue and it's like i really like all the all the he does like he he stops um uh he stops carjacking. He stops. Um, uh, rescues cats. Rescues cats. He Jump stops, starts a car. Yeah, he stops. That off. scene yeah. was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, with his electric mask, he jump started a lady's uh-huh. car. He stops um, uh, an automobile place from being robbed. But um, uh, after that, and 
I don't really want to spoil everything, but he has a moment of realness uh-huh. where he where he kind of gets psyched out. Um, uh, and he, him and his friend, like, meet up, and he's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And he was just like, dude, it's only been a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just all like, yeah, but, like, this thing happened, and I don't, I like, I don't, I don't know, like, what, what else could happen? He makes a very good point of, uh, danger is put in his way, and that though he has these masks that give him abilities, he himself is not exactly fit mm-hmm. uh, yes uh-huh the the, the cop uh, is uh mm-hmm. has a very easy time <laughs> catching him yeah and the cop is one older and a bit more heavy set yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. and so it's just like but the cop has more experience, experience. yes and yeah. I, I like uh-huh. that uh exchange between them when mm-hmm. he's like how did you do that you don't even have any superpowers you don't have a mask and he's like dude i trained in the academy mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and he's just like i like Hard work. Hard, hard work. work yeah. Hard work. And like the, yeah, he got, he got run down. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and so I like the, I also like that bit of realness. But I also, oh, absolutely. I also really liked what happened afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the new character that was introduced, yes, the plot thickens. Yeah. One of the few characters, because we kind of get a hint mm-hmm. of. And now I want to know more. And here's, here's my speculation, which is probably <laughs> interesting, that this new character is going to be the antagonist um, he's going to be the, the superman because he's just like the person who got these masks didn't don't know what power they yeah. have and it was just like and you do so how did you get these masks uh-huh. and, and like, why didn't you use and them and why were they locked up in the yeah, yeah if yeah. they were so important mm-hmm. yeah so i am going to assume that he somehow like the because in the first issue now i'm remembering aspects of it um, uh, that someone had mentioned that there had been superheroes. Yeah, in los their, maximos. Los maximos. Mm-hmm. They had. There had been. I want to shut of that. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, you see in the first few panels when the detective is talking to his mom, mm-hmm. she said, "I was rescued by yes. by a masked uh, hero yeah. Yeah. In, in when I was younger." Yeah. So you know that she has had history with, with these, los maximos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, some all of a sudden, like, I guess they disappeared one day or mm-hmm. something happened, mm-hmm. but they weren't seen from again. But now these masks are back, yeah. and I'm guessing that whoever Los Maximos were had the had these masks, and then they were somehow stolen from them, uh-huh. or a supervillain, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like their nemesis got a hold of them. I didn't even think uh, that this guy, that this dude, would was uh, a bad guy. <laughs> I, 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 this is a, of course all speculation. Right, maybe, yeah. maybe he was put in charge of them from yeah. the, with Los Maximos. That's oh, another. Maybe thing he could, could be like Obi Wan and train Luke. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was just looking for the correct person. Yeah. To pass this on at because it, it said that he was stuck in a hospital or something. Oh uh, yes, uh-huh. yes, he was stuck yeah. in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And, he, uh, he does a lot of traveling too, is what he said. And he does he does a lot of traveling. So I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly 100% sure this is a supervillain. But kind of the way he talked and phrased things, I was just like, he talks like a supervillain. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and lean on the suspicion that he is a supervillain. As of yet unnamed supervillain. Yeah. But might be a supervillain. Can I just uh, talk to you about how the <laughs> the panels where Monty is uh, fighting the guys who... Um, they're they're doing like a robbery of the auto parts store, <laughs> oh, yeah. And all of his moves, the way that Bernice, the artist, drew them, he freaking looks like Greg Louganis. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> like the Greg Louganis is like a an eighties reference. He is um he was an Olympian diver. Okay. But he would or Greg Louganis or some other eighties uh gym, male gymnast because I was totally into gymnastics when I was a kid. <laughs> um, watching it on TV. But the moves that he does, like he's he's uh, when he comes over the wall, he has like perfect gymnast body and moves Mm -hmm. and he's even freaking pointing his toes (laughs) i was like this mask gives him the ability to like be uh i guess it's the pantera yeah Yeah, so it's yeah it's supposed to be cat-like and that's really what i got it was like he looked freaking graceful and even his like when he lands look when he lands yeah i have seen my cat do that pose (laughs) (laughs) and and it's funny. Cause, and really, look at here that he's, yeah. his one leg is like bent but pointed gracefully. Yeah. It's just, it's really um, like very, uh, <laughs> it, it goes along with the whole Pantera cat-like mm-hmm. um, luchador mask. This here is, I don't know what he's doing there. but um, He but basically so, threw himself to uh, the side. Gotcha. Yeah. So it just really, uh, it, it, it actually like, stood out to me at like how graceful that she was drawing him when he had that mask on. And I I really like how she conveys his movement because I was mm-hmm. able to read those panels oh, and yeah, see the direction that he was going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh I she does an amazing job with that. Yeah, and she's really consistent cuz even when um I I think there was a point where they threw a crowbar and he caught yes, it. So yes. there was like a consistency of movement. Yes. And uh what what she wanted to portray did come across in the pages in the panels. I particularly like the little dialogue Dewar does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, dude. He's funny. I love him. He's like, dude. Not that I don't enjoy smuggling you all over town. Yeah. But when are you going to get your license? Yeah. yeah. Like, and that just speaks to his lethargy, I think, because he's just like such a millennial, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jen was talking about this part earlier and when i read it it made me laugh too because uh they're in the car together and monty's just like "Ah, i don't know what i'm gonna do i'll probably wear the pantera mask when i get more practice and he's like well uh you're planning to get down and dirty and he's like "Ah, i don't have any plans and so (laughs) then uh like are we planning to tell the girlfriend about our girlfriend about this? Yeah. Our girlfriend. Yeah. And Jen was like, it's just funny that he's just so blase. Like, yeah, like my third wheel status is like, I'm going to fully embrace it. Yeah. And, and there is, I think a little moment too, where he's like, uh, he's like uh, something about like, um, I'm going to marry her. And he goes, and it breaks my heart every day. Yeah. Something like that. It was yeah, just that so it's not him. cute. Yeah. 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 It was uh, just, I love their banter. It's so fresh yeah. and so great. And it's the, and it, I really love their banter because it's banter that I've done with my friends too, especially with my best friend. And I just, like, we, <laughs> we joke about like, if we're not married by the time we're 40, let's just marry each other. <laughs> That's it. Let's do it. Yeah. He's like, uh, I think, uh, he says, I. She, Monty's basically, he has this conundrum where he doesn't want to tell his girlfriend because um, she thinks that he, it's a bad thing. Because mm-hmm. he also, she also calls him a criminal. Right. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's, yeah. she's, uh, he's uh, she assaulting people. She doesn't know people. that Monty is. Yeah, she doesn't know it's him. So Dewar's like, are you going to tell her? And he's like, I can't tell her until I get her to see that this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, he's like, Dewar's like, 
Well, what do you mean by that? I think you're super fun time action awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, I ain't looking to marry you someday. And that's when he yeah. replies, is like, and you have no idea how much that breaks my heart daily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah, it's really, I love, I love the dialogue. I love the catchiness of it. I love her style of movement. And I was, I was telling Kristen this, jokingly, but I, I really want this book to take off because although mm. I do love this style, if you guys could get a colorist, yeah, I would be like, oh my god, so much mm-hmm. more like on board. Especially because I really like the colors yeah. on the front cover, yeah. uh-huh. and I really like how how they add to it. Yeah, and as I love this book as it is now. Yeah, but like with a colorist, like man, I hope you guys like sell the shit out of this book. Oh, I just noticed that this is the police guy. Yeah, that was exactly. Chasing him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he has his police badge out yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. And you see his receding hairline. It's awesome. <laughs> I like it. Um, yes, uh, I'm not sure if I've ever shared this here on the podcast. Maybe I have. But black and white comics, um, just just the same way as black and white um, <laughs> TV shows, um, just do not call my attention. Now, once I read them or once I watch them, I'm like, oh, this is good. And it doesn't even have any relevance to me at all without you know uh, it doesn't affect my overall um uh thought about whether it's good or bad it's just that when i see something's black and white it turns me off i'm like nah i don't want to but then if i'm forced to or for whatever reason i end up watching it uh and i really get into it there's been multiple black and white movies and black and white comics that i ended up really liking but just looking at them rockets yeah just looking at them i'd be like nah not for me um, but, uh, I think that in some cases, a black and white comic really works. Like for example, mm-hmm. Walking Dead, Walking Dead's in black and white because, um, the, just all the gore and all, like keeping it in black and white kind of mutes that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just like the idea of post-apocalyptic, I mean, black and white, I think goes, uh, it, it's just the aesthetic of what mm-hmm. the book is about. Um, uh, and then uh, the next book that we're going to be reviewing, too, oh. it works amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it, the black and white in Monty Gomez Luchador, it doesn't uh, bother me, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, would, I love the covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this uh, color and the way that it, it really highlights um the characters and just the action and everything, but it doesn't. The black and white doesn't bother me at all. Oh yeah, it doesn't bother me at all either. Um, uh, I like I said, I really love this book. Yeah. No matter what, but I just think it would add like a whole nother level. Yeah. To it that I like, like that would was really good. Yeah. As I said, I I honestly am very much in love with the storyline of this book. Me too. Mm-hmm. So some cheese me about. Um, the Monty Gomez world, um, Gomez land, <laughs> uh, is that, um, Hondro got so much positive feedback about the little, um, 
bits of the story of Los Maximos that he dropped in issue number one that not only um, us on Commodity Comics Podcast, but other people that he talked to were like, I want to know more about that. He's planning on doing like a, a Los Maximos like Ooh. one shot. Oh, nice. That's yeah, excellent. Oh, I'm yeah. excited. That's exciting. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes. So that's uh, some cheese man uh, on... Uh, the Monty Gomez is the luchador. Uh, no, can't be Comadres y Comics with all the chismeando. <laughs> so, uh, if you still haven't picked up any Monty Gomez after we did our review of number one, now there are two books for you to read, and there is no reason for you to not pick them up. They're mm-hmm. so, so uh, good and entertaining, and I definitely think that um you will enjoy them as much as we do and right now um behind the mask is their like little back matter section and um hondro says that right now they don't have a um not facebook they don't have a website but they do have a facebook and you can find them at um on facebook at justice is diy which is a their little catchphrase yeah and if you guys don't know what DIY is, it's do it yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is Mon- Monty Gomez is uh, DIYing the heck out of uh, justice. out of justice out in of his justice. neighborhood. And yeah. just so you know, there's a cliffhanger ending. We are yes. not going to spoil it, but I'm just like, what? And yeah. I just can't wait till the next issue for sure. I so, know. are we ready to rate? Yeah, the the, yeah. <laughs> the cliffhanger. Ay, Dios mío. <laughs> 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 yes, it is a cliffhanger. Yeah. So, yes, I'm ready to rate it. I'm going to say uh, I'm ready, too. This is Sarah, and I'm going to give it tres conchas and a cup of charpurrado. Yes. I also am giving it three conchas, the pink yummy conchas, um, and a a cup of champurrado. Oh, spicy, yummy, hot champurrado. Mm. I am going to give it three conchas and a cup of champurrada as well. I really like this book. Yes. It's, it's so true to the superhero theme, and it, but still having those touches of modernity to it. Mm-hmm. I I honestly love this book. Yes, mm-hmm. I definitely love this book, and, too. And uh, Jandro and Bernice are so cool and nice and... This is really a passion project, I think. I get the feeling from anyway. And even in the back, um, uh, Hanro, and in person, he told me the same. He's like, I know you guys love the story and you want more, and we love doing it, but please be patient because um, the people who work on the book, they're all um, they're full-time teachers. Yeah, they're educators, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. Exactly. It's so cool. And my best friend right now, she's working for, um, uh, oh, God, um, uh, it's an education program. She's basically uh, a TA, mm-hmm. um, uh, and oh, Jesus Christ, she puts in fifty-four hours a week. Holy wow. cow! Yeah. Mm. Uh, wow. She doesn't get paid overtime. Wow. Oh gosh. Yeah. Because <laughs> wow. she, it's it's a stipend, uh, but she's working in the education field. Yeah. And she's working in Watts at a elementary school, and yeah. she she loves it. But all that time and effort that she puts in, I know that. Yeah. And she's a TA. Yeah. She's not a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so just so like, imagine how many hours the actual teacher puts in. Yeah. Yeah. So just like 
kudos to all the teachers and mm-hmm. everything. Like, so I definitely, I'm very sympathetic to their plight, and I know that it takes time. Yeah. And, stuff like that. and a, a little side note, actually, Bernice is the um, the force behind the kale event that we talked about on our last episode, which was oh, yeah. um, the small little neighborhood uh, convention in Watts. Yeah. Uh, that um, that's what happened at a place called home. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. She's the she's the driving force behind that. City year, the pro, no, city sorry. year. Yes, yeah. I know city year. Yeah, my that's where my best friend was. Yeah. right now. Yeah. That's amazing. That you know, even though they have a full time job, they have to put out a comic book. They have to. They actually find time to give to the community, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um awesome. Lots and lots of uh, love for Monty Gomez and Hondro and Bernice. So we will add the information and links uh, for you to order online. I'm assuming that we can do that through their Facebook to get you their contact information. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I don't have any of these yet, but I'll look into actually offering them at um, at Heidi Ho. Maybe they could... Uh, uh, come and bring some copies, and we'll we'll add them to our neighborhood watch locals only section. Ooh, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. So uh, we've all rated the book. We love it. And what else are we rating today? So the second book that we are going to review is Poe Noir, uh, issue number two. Yes. You might have remembered us reviewing Poe Noir issue number one, again, from um, books that we picked up at the Los- East Los Angeles Comic-Con in May. Was that in May? I feel like it was like it was May, so yeah. long ago, but that was not that long ago. So Poe Noir is the noir, get it? <laughs> uh, take on some Edgar Allan um Stories, yes, and um, that just statement right there was what drew me to buying the book in the first place. It was mm-hmm. just like that's all they had to say to me, and I was like, okay, I I'm sold. I you don't have to say anything else. And you might remember that we uh, loved the book the mm-hmm. first time. Was that our first Super Saiyan? I no Super no. Saiyan is beer. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Was our first... Okay, yeah. Forget it. Super Um, Saiyan was Dicky Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think this... Maybe that's when we added the cup of champurrado already. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth saying that uh, even though maybe you can't find, for some reason, book one, that's no reason not to pick up book two because these all work individually. They're individuals, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're like the Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. a very good um, comparison, actually. You're absolutely correct. Each issue has two stories, um, but they are independent of each other, and then each book is independent of each other as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The tying theme is that they're noir style Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. um, they can uh, happen any time in history. Mm-hmm. During the 30s, um, maybe even older than that. You know, it, it's different timelines. So mm-hmm. um, each one of these can be read individually. So you don't have to you don't have to have one in order to read two. You can even read two before one. Um, but yes. So I don't remember the stories that um, they the first books. 
Um, the first book had um uh, the cask of Amontillado. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, the black cat. That's yes. right, black cat. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has um stories based on the fall of the house of Usher. Um, is the first one, and then the second one is based on uh, uh, Morella, mm-hmm. a tale chanced by Morella, it says by Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. So um, I just have to say that visually, before I even freaking read a word of the story, visually I fall in freaking love with this book mm-hmm. every single time. Every single time, yeah. I mean, when I when we reviewed the first one, I was like, okay, it it the black and whiteness didn't even uh, I wasn't think, even an issue. No, it wasn't an issue. It didn't phase me because it is so amazing. It just is so stark. the mm-hmm. The lines are just so awesome. It's it's bold black and white. I don't know. There's a lot of like negative space type mm-hmm. usage. Um, and then, uh, in, in, um, this book, just like in the first one, there's like a big, there's a couple of, uh, of, not only is it a page spread, but just like entire like pages that take up the whole thing. Yeah. There's a couple of splash pages. They're impactful. Yes. 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 You you know, um, I hate to cut you off, but one of the things I love about the art is that it's black and white. There are no shades of, uh. No, uh uh-uh. There is absolutely no different types of shade of gray. Uh It's black and white. And with that um, minimalist uh, type of, 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 I I think it's even harder. So much. I think it's even harder, yeah. Light and shadow still and and space as well. And it's it's so good. Depth. um, Expression on faces. (laughs) Smoke. Yeah. From a cigar. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. amazing. Oh yeah, the so, smoke effect is really, really nice. So the first story. Uh, so uh, Poe Noir is um, written and produced by Tim Sajak and um, Miguel Acedo, and then art is by Graham Sisk. I've met Tim and I've met Miguel. I don't think I've met Graham. Um, I think Graham was at the East LA Comic Con, but um, I can't recall. No, I don't. I remember meeting Tim and and Miguel there. I think, or maybe I'm. I know I met Miguel there. I don't. I've met Tim before. I just don't know if he was. I feel like I remember him from at East LA Comic Con, but all I know is that um, Graham must be in hiding somewhere. They must be hiding him away somewhere tight. Because he, uh, they want to keep him all to themselves because he's so freaking amazing. Yeah. I, I feel like he's shackled in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Here, do art. <laughs> Produce. No, but yeah, his stuff, my gosh. Uh, and, and they made a reference to saying, uh, I know that Miguel told me that sometimes it, it, it takes a little while to uh, put out the next issue only because... Um, Graham has a, a full-time job, oh, okay. and that and that his uh, compositions are so full of detail they that it are. takes them a, a long yeah. time oh to my complete. God. Which it's you know what? Kind it's of worth like a the Sana Takeda thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what was that? 
what was I going to say? I feel like we should have elaborated what noir itself means. I'm pretty sure we know what noir means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I feel like some people might not know exactly what noir means. Yeah. But noir itself is a genre of crime film or fiction characterized by cynicism, fatalism, and moral ambiguity. Mm-hmm. In itself, it's it's... The noir genre usually... Moral ambiguity. I'm noir. (laughs) (laughs) Morally ambiguous. (laughs) And uh, the noir genre itself is mostly uh, associated with crime or like detectives and like murders Uh and stuff like that. Gumshoe stories. Gumshoe stories. Exactly. And they're kind of gritty, but I think especially the noir, the style of noir with the romanticism of... uh, Edgar Allan Poe's works is absolutely it works. It yeah, does. I don't understand why nobody else has thought of this amazing uh, idea. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's honestly it's it works so well. And I think it uh, uh, it honestly constantly astounds me how well they're able to adapt these stories yes. into mm-hmm. uh, what you call it. Not exactly a modern setting but a modernist yeah. setting yeah, the yeah. noir setting yeah like uh, the fall of the house of capone styled after the fall of the house of usher is uh, like it's it's so good the betrayal the uh like all the all the components that make up the false the fall of the house of usher mm-hmm. um madness betrayal and um, um and basically double crossing and stuff like that it's it's all there you can see it and and it's it's so good. Uh, what's my colleague? I um, really like the fact that most of the story is image and narration, mm-hmm. and the narration is basically a letter that Al Capone yeah. has written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and that's actually the narration for uh, the the images that we're seeing, and it conveys everything that's being said in the narration mm-hmm. is conveyed in the expressions of the characters mm-hmm. and the uh, backdrop of it, and, and, and there's no dialogue almost mm-hmm. for a few pages. And th- there's no dialogue for uh, some pages, mm-hmm. or maybe just like one dialogue bu- bubble, but you get the idea and it's really mm. like hammered in and i really yeah. love the script of the narration is in script mm-hmm. and it's not your normal thing that you see in a comic book yeah and definitely. It, but it works it for works this aesthetic oh, it's so amazing tim and miguel are just they they're so good they're it's honestly this book is uh, I'm always blown away by it. And it's only two issues. So I'm going to be honest with you. When I picked this up, I was like, okay. How can they I'm, top the first Yes, one? I'm prepared to be disappointed because the first one was so freaking amazing. There's mm-hmm. no way that they could top that. But I'm going to tell you right now. The splash page in the second story. Oh, my oh. God. Holy. Okay, the first, the first issue was that, was that paw. Uh-huh. Where it like it had yeah. the, the, the paneling the pan- within the yes. paw, yeah, which the was amazing. Yes. The paw, which was amazing. I amazing. picked up that print at the um at the convention. Actually, I was supposed to pick it up, but <laughs> they didn't have them when I went the first oh. day. They didn't have the pins either. Oh. Uh, um, Tim Miguel, hook me, <laughs> hook a girl up. <laughs> I gave you a pin. I picked. They gave us well, one yeah. for all. I have, I have, I have mine. I have mine like, <laughs> uh, guarded, but I would. So I'm gonna tell you the splash page on uh, in the second story mm. is 
the second story is set in Los Angeles, first of all, and mm-hmm. I really love when uh, when comics are set in Los Angeles, or even prose stories um, and TV shows and movies, mm-hmm. because I love seeing things that I recognize from everyday life living here in the city, mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely what this panel Im- imbues here. You see the Hollywood sign. You even see the big Ferris, uh, Ferris wheel from Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. Um, it's so amazing. And this this panel here is the the main character talking about falling in love mm-hmm. and how it consumed her and how it shaped and it's like a roulette. Yes. Wheel. Yes. It's, when I saw that page, I yes. like I I I gasped. My bit. heart right now is uh. just like exploding like out of my chest because just the fact that, yes, it's love and it's a, a wheel, a game of roulette. And then just the words like, oh, my effing God, I'm not even lying. I told the women before we started this, like I like I fell in love with the writer here, yeah. like just amazing words like it they it brought out such emotion mm-hmm. in me that I was just like I, I I read this page and the cool thing too about this page is it's written around the roulette wheel mm-hmm. you have to turn the book to read you're it spiraling and so yes and mm-hmm. you're spiraling and around the roulette is turning mm-hmm. which is I mean it Good or bad, that's fucking love. Yeah, and it's so, and then just every single detail, like how some of the spaces right here are are um uh, sunlight or it's or, or it's the moon, it's the full moon or it's the dark moon. Yeah, it's bright days and dark days, mm-hmm. and, and some of them are in between. And I just, ah, uh, I do love this splash page. It's really really nice. I um I remember that I was in the kitchen when she was uh, Kristen was reading this and she said it's like they freaking this is they looked into my soul or something <laughs> like that. You you made some kind of yes. of, of of exclamation like yes. this I, I can't really remember the quote but you said something like to the reference of yes. this is like this speaks oh this speaks, speaks to, to my, my soul, soul. Uh-huh. and i was like that's exactly how i felt and i remember taking this book over to his his uh table and he uh he signed it for me and i i think he was looking to see if i was going to flip through it and i'm like i don't want to flip through it cuz i want to be surprised yeah mm-hmm. and i definitely was when i read this book i'm like oh, gasp and mm-hmm. and i was a little drunk <laughs> and I, and he knows this too i was a little drunk and I go, but it was so interactive. I loved it. And yeah. and then um, later on, uh, one of the one of the guests of the uh, convention came to our table, and I saw that they had picked up Paul Noir. And I said, "You're gonna love that book." Yes. I go, "There's a splash page where you have to twist and turn the book." Yeah. So she opened the book, and she's like, "Oh my god." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just something that is Every so time I walked by their table and there was someone standing in front of it, I ran over. I was like, buy the book. <laughs> just buy the freaking book. <laughs> Quit talking. Buy the book and read it right now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we were talking like this. This is amazing work. This is like this is like vertigo 
Like, yes, good. this is vertigo good. Uh-huh. Like, you heard it here on Commodity C Comics. Uh-huh. Like, some publishing company needs to pick this book up and mm-hmm. needs to snatch up these creators because they will, they, they're freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're they, so talented. Yes, and they will drive uh, your success, I'm telling you. Mm hmm. Absolutely, and there in this splash page, there's a reference to love and lust and the yes. difference. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, it's so deep. I just, it's like I actually read it twice because it, it's just so deep. And if you notice, there's only dialogue on the silhouette on hers, on, yeah. on her silhouette because mm-hmm. she's the one who's narrating this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very toxic relationship mm-hmm. um, that they have. And one of the things that because I. What I did is I told him I had the book, and then I said, but I haven't read it. And I go, but you know what? When I get home, I'll read it, and I'll come back tomorrow, and I'll tell you to your face what I think. Like, mm-hmm. I want to tell you personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I came back, and I'm like, oh, my God. You just, I can't believe what you did. It's just amazing. I said, um, and you know what? I, I said, you know what I really loved is that you didn't, you keep up this guessing. Mm-hmm. Like, some parts in the book, I had to, like, stop and Google stuff. Mm-hmm. like some of the stuff like i'm like you it's not only like a wonderful story and beautiful drawings but um uh, you also taught me about um dodger stadium yes chavez Ravine. yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. i didn't know that i said you know it's also educational and not only that like i was like and you have little easter eggs like there's a book um in german there's two books in german mm-hmm. and i was like and i knew that there was something to do with that like something was important in in that so i had to google that um, and you know, the, there's a lot of little Easter eggs. So, um, it's, it's not only a story that's told in these pages, it's a story that continues. For, if you look for it or look on Google, cause now we have that facility, so just <laughs> Google everything. Um, the story can carry on and, and, and propels you to do more than just read the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically with the second story, um, that was one thing that actually did stand out to me and caught my attention is that uh, the the main character is Mexican and yeah. and a lot of Isabella a lot of um, culturally uh, in like uh, they mentioned that she lived in the ravine mm-hmm. um, she mentioned how um, they would treat her and the things that they would call her um, because she was... Uh, she was beautiful. She, she was... Uh, but was, but because yeah. she was Mexican, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of culturally significant things in her story mm-hmm. that were relative to being... Uh, growing up in Los Angeles and being Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially um, in that in that one page where she there's a flashback to her being a, a little girl mm-hmm. and you see the las candelas the the saint yes, candles yes, and uh-huh. stuff and you see the portrait of her mom next yeah. to the candles cuz usually when somebody dies some loved one you light right. up candles uh every mm-hmm. night for them yeah. mm-hmm. um so you see that um and you see that she didn't have a very good um youth upbringing yeah. upbringing mm-hmm. um you know she was missing her mother and her father had issues mm-hmm. um and actually guys i have a chisme on this so it, i was told that um uh, by miguel acedo i was told that they're thinking about doing a Paul noir presents and then going on a, doing kind of a backstory on um ella 
Oh, wow. So that, I'm like, I would love that. I would that. love that, too. I know, because there's so much going on there. Yeah. I'm like, not only, like, historically with, mm-hmm. like, Dodger Stadium, where now people play, and there was such a dark story yeah. in mm-hmm. history, uh, and with her uh, being mixed with mm-hmm. uh, Italian and Mexican, and the relationship with her father and her mother's mm-hmm. death, and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wh- how she changed her name from people calling her Bella to yeah. Ella. To Ella. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. And that whole description uh-huh. of Ella and her finding out that it means her and that uh-huh. that was like the creation of her, quote unquote, uh-huh. which was like her other um, persona that uh-huh. was like where uh-huh. she, who she became to like hide and be safe from all this other uh, stuff. From men. Even and, yeah, and how she hated, she hated Bella. Right, because right. her dad hey. called her Bella. Yeah, yeah. and she's dad. like, Ma- I can't, uh, you know, uh, my mom had to die in order for Ella to be born. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if it's a play on words, because if you notice, the spelling of Ella is L E E L L E. Ella. Ella. Uh-huh. It's, uh huh. E L L A. Right. It's Ella in Spanish, yeah. which means her. her. Which mm-hmm. I thought was like <gasps> blew my mind. Like little things like that is mm-hmm. just like they. I don't know. It's just like, wow, how does his mind work? It's so, so Honestly, I was thinking the same thing as far as like saying, how does his mind work? I'm like, Miguel is a freaking genius. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's a professor. He teaches, I think it's like um, uh, cinematic history or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something, something to do with movies. I know that. But as I'm reading these words and I'm just the whole evolution of the second story in particular the first one was good but the second one was just like oh yeah i i I just it spoke to me it left me speechless Mm -hmm. um and just to think of like the process of of him uh like writing out the i mean like i said the splash page any soul who has these thoughts and words within themselves is like I, i amazingly beautiful person honestly mm, yeah for those things to come out and so uh and 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 to find some kind of light in darkness too mm-hmm. like throughout the story like this there's a one page where it has like um the cross and the serpent of like medicine Med- uh-huh and um but it's mostly words but there are certain um underlined and capitalized words um wh- which are very strong like i am more than beautiful like i love that you know, and it's it's uh you know it's just very strong in a sense like she's she's so fragile but yet so strong at the same time because of what she endured. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't know. It just it's amazing. So I think your achievement of uh, having a backstory of uh, Bella is kind of super cool. I would love to. Uh, I would love to have an extension of this particular story because like i said it's it spoke to me in a very deep uh meaningful passionate uh just emotional all those other words that mean fucking awesome (laughs) way yeah and i like how like a lot of the choices that the character uh ella made were based on her upbringing of being catholic Mm -hmm. i think um that had a lot to do with why she endured what she did and um and how she didn't take other choices due to you know her upbringing Mm -hmm. and i thought that was very moving because a lot of a lot of 
I would have to say us because I myself like found that uh, sometimes, you know, even though I'm not a practicing Catholic, that still makes a lot of who I am, my Mm -hmm. upbringing Mm -hmm. as a Catholic person. So I just, I love this book. I love it. (laughs) And in that one page where you see the serpent and the cross, a lot of the thoughts that she had were thoughts that I had had too. Exactly. And it's just like I was able to relate to it quite intimately especially in those uh in those beginning words because i'm just like uh, the catholic mindset the catholic guilt <laughs> be oh, familiar the with catholic her. guilt i love that yeah. <laughs> be familiar be familiar yeah and if you you know date somebody who probably was you know very catholic upbringing there's a catholic guilt factor just so you know <laughs> But anyway, this this whole book is amazing, and the ending is just—I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> it was it was heart wrenching. So um, in the back, there is a little bit of back matter here um, mm-hmm. of this book where it shows Miguel's um, Miguel's script mm-hmm. uh, and direction to the artist, and then what the artist then um, takes from that and the, the finished piece. And mm-hmm. when you see the script and the visual side by side, you just see what an amazing pairing that this whole team is mm-hmm. truly uh, bringing those words. To yes. Life. It's yeah. just so freaking amazing. Um, and when I, when I was looking at the script and then just, uh, cause I had already seen the panels, but mm-hmm. seeing the panels with just the the words and the direction from the writer uh, is just uh, it, it just makes it even more amazing. And um, for those of you who are in the Los Angeles area, and if you're ever in Heidi Ho, um, we do have Poe Noir as part of our neighborhood watch locals only section. Um, so we have both issue one and issue two. And they're five dollars uh, each, and you can come in. And um, if you don't see it on the shelf, ask for a, ask us, and maybe we have some behind the counter. But they are available at Heidi Ho Comics, and I recommend that you come pick them up ASAP. Yeah, absolutely. Because me and Kristen are going to be recommending the Hades <laughs> out of it. Mm-hmm. The Hades, I love yeah. that. I don't know if you guys noticed in the cover, uh, Edgar Allan Poe is sitting is standing at the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I thought that was awesome. Anyway, I am in love with this book. This is something that I. This is kind of the the kind of the genre that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, dark, um, bloody, sad. <laughs> Miserable. More in romanticism. Who would have thought they worked so well together? <laughs> <laughs> so I, are we ready to rate? Yes. Okay. Yes, this uh, book can have the entire panaderia and my soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will. Uh, you know what? I concur. I concur. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the whole panaderia. This is Kristen. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, everything. My soul, my body, my mind, everything. Yeah. It's just so amazing. I cannot say it enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say, shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> he, are, we, he already did. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, next time I see, I'm, I honestly am gonna buy all the copies myself that we have and just hand them, them out, out to, free to people and be like, you have to read this. Like, I paid for it already, but you need to freaking read it. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I second that motion. But, yes, for me, 
same as Jen. The whole panadería and my soul. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that was amazing, guys. That was so amazing. It's very good. Keep up the excellent work, and I can't wait till issue number three. And now we're on to On My Radar, and with it with On My Radar today is Sarah. Take Hi, it away, Sarah. Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me, guys. Uh, yes, On My Radar. Um, there are several things on my radar, but uh, and they're all Netflix and Hulu uh, inclined. So um, On My Radar is uh, a little f- a documentary that is called She Makes Comics. This is a documentary that was uh, released in 2014, and it's the history of women in comics, interviews with industry professionals, artists, writers, editors, and retailers. Um, It started off as a Kickstarter on February 3rd, 2014. Uh, 31 days it lasted, and they earned $54,000. $54,001. Wow. (laughs) And $1? (laughs) And um, it was $1,500 more than the initial goal. So that was really awesome. Um, they were able to uh, place kind of a little doc, uh, little kind of history on Jackie Orms, the first female African-American um, in the comic industry. Ooh. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. It's a really great film. Uh, I remember when that Kickstarter was live. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer of Bitch Planet comes yeah. out a lot. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. And I just, um, the editor, uh, or was it vice president? I can't remember right now, but uh, was a female from that actually uh, was in D.C. when Vertigo was starting. So I feel like she was responsible. So <laughs> like, like I'm like, no wonder Vertigo is so awesome. But um it was very informative, very entertaining. I totally enjoyed it. I was like, yes, females. And we <laughs> did, yeah, so I'm just like, that definitely, you guys take a look at it. That is on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, please go ahead and stream it and let us know what you think. Uh, the other thing that's on my radar is Fresh Off the Boat. Recent episodes of Fresh Off the Boat have um, George Takei in it, Takei. And he's an uh, English ESL teacher, mm-hmm. and he's amazing in it. So if you guys are a fan of George, please go ahead and watch it. It's so funny. George is having a hard time right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, he, with all oh, this that's sexual right. harassment stuff. Um, oh, that's right. Somebody came out and um, accused him of. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Have others? I don't know if ha- if others have or not, but yeah. the one person for sure I know did. So mm-hmm. um, I love Fresh Off the Boat. Fresh Off the Boat actually came out with a comic book for Free Comic Book Day mm-hmm. last year. And we wanted so badly to have some of the, uh, the um, not the creators, but the actors from the movie to uh, show up at our shop and install. They went to the comic bug, no, uh, which is a very um, amazing, awesome store as well. Um, we love Mike over at the bug, um, but uh, I actually never got a chance to read the book because everyone took them and I never got an issue, so <laughs> I don't even know how the um, story went, but the TV show is so funny. I, I love, love it. it. Love yes. it. Love it. And, I, and you can, as a Latina growing up, I, I got... Some of the stuff, you know, it it actually translates to our culture. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. like, I love it, love it. Um, the 
very last thing on my radar is 24-hour comic movie. And this one I streamed on Hulu. Uh, so if you have Hulu, go ahead and stream this movie. This is actually a uh, also a documentary about it. Um, it's it's uh, eight artists, comic book artists and writers are confined into a comic book store, each attempting to write a comic book and draw it and complete 24 pages of this comic book in 24 hours. So uh, I actually was at one of these events in uh, Nuclear Comics. Uh, I don't know what city, but I think it's somewhere in Orange County mm, uh-huh. um, or Santa Ana or something. Um, I went there because they were also having podcasts at the time, oh, live uh-huh. podcast shows. So I went to support uh, another podcast that is no longer podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was there for the artists that were doing the 24-hour comic. And I was like, that's pretty interesting. And then seeing this documentary and actually seeing what they go through. Yeah. And um, uh, having to try to generate a page of mm-hmm. a comic book in an hour. An hour, yeah. And then complete 24 hours of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really incredibly interesting to watch. Yeah. How much coffee did they go through? <laughs> a lot of coffee. A lot of donuts. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I can't even imagine. I get super cranky being awake <laughs> after 9 p.m. I can't imagine going 24 hours. But... Um, Speaking of the comic bug, they actually have this event every year. Oh, really? Um, and they, I've seen finished products that they put together and of all the people that participated and published them. So um, it's definitely something that I think is a really cool thing to do, and um, I just don't know if I'd ever be able to do it. But um, they have a, um, a pretty active uh, creator uh, community there that participates every year. Yeah, and they were saying in the documentary that there are several comic book shops around the United States yeah. that participate in this event, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think it just it just kind of like pushes your limits. Yes. And I think that's a really it's amazing... It's like NaNoWriMo, but for comic book artists. I don't know what that is. National Novel Writing Month. Oh, really? Yeah. You're supposed to write a novel in a month. Wow. Interesting. The month of November. Wow. Wow. So or right like now. Sketch, Sketchtober. Scott, uh, oh, like Inktober. Inktober. There you yes. go. My God, yeah. there's all these things I don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> but, a lot uh, of my favorite artists do Inktober. Yeah. They came out with a lot of cool content. I always mm. find really cool um, sketch pieces from Inktober at, I think it's, uh, what's the one on, on Easter? Um, the convention in Anaheim that usually happens on Easter. WonderCon? WonderCon, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've bought a, a lot of really cool Inktober sketches uh, from artists who, they just have all these things that they did during uh, October. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're supposed to sketch a different one um, uh, each day of October, so at the end, 31 sketches. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's great because it actually pushes you to become really excellent at the character you're drawing. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll perform my own Inktober or something. But um, I think it's really great to challenge yourself. And one of the things I really liked about this documentary was that a lot of people were telling their story as far as how they went into the comic book business and actually did not succeed at it. Mm. Uh, but they still participate in this 24-hour comic, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, And then there are people who have techniques for it. Like there's this guy who gives up coffee for two weeks or a month 
before the event. So then he takes sips while he's drawing throughout yeah. the 24 hours. So, I mean... That is very similar to carbo-loading for marathon runners. <laughs> really? You don't eat any carbs for the entire couple of weeks before your race, and then the night before you load up on carbs because your body has been deprived of them, it holds on to them, and so that you have that reserve during the 26 miles that you run. That's crazy. Man, that's awesome. So th- that's on my radar. All I know is that if I don't drink coffee for a week, uh, I start feeling sick, and then I have to drink coffee again. Addiction <laughs> is a bitch, Jen. <laughs> it sure is. I need my caffeine. I know what you mean. I'm, I love I love the taste of my coffee. I love coffee. So that's <laughs> on my radar. Now on Juntos y Fuertes, back to you, Kristen. <laughs> Here on... Uh, on a, what do you call it, when you're out in the field? <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you. Uh, so, for Juntos y Fuertes, I actually was reminded of this uh, place that I used to take the girls that I worked with, with the um, organization where I worked with um, j- girls involved in the juvenile justice system. We used to take them on field trips uh, once a month. And um, it was kind of, um, they were supposed to be like, culturally and just like educationally relevant and one of the groups that I uh, used to run was in Silmar and like I would always be like WTF is in Silmar like (laughs) it's so far out there there's nothing and from that need I came across um, this organization called Tia Chucha I already (laughs) love the name (laughs) and uh, Tia Chucha um, was the real tia of Luis Rodriguez, who you might know um, as the author of the book Always Running, La Vida Loca. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an ex-gang member who um, pretty much uh, turned to uh, activism and uh, started and and you know turned his life around and is now working with the uh the gang involved youth and community trying to help them to leave the life and to live um a uh live a successful life outside of uh being a gang member and so he started the Achucha uh, cultural center in Silmar and uh they provide all kinds of awesome programming during the week and special uh, events. And I really just, uh, he shared something on Twitter that was just, um, I think it was uh, a book uh, that was written by one of the board members uh, of Tia Chuchas, which was, um, it was a, a book by Daniel Olivas, which is, um, he has a new short story collection that um, also is in addition to a book of poetry that he has. But the the book was called, uh, it was a short story collection, and it was The King of Lightning. Oh, and it cut it off. I don't know. But it was an L.A. Times story. But that's really irrelevant. The the relevance of my story in Juntos y Fuertes is that this organization exists. You don't have to live in Silmar to access the programming. And um, they have things like Aztec dance. Um, they oh, have uh, something called Mexicaiultil, uh, which is a study circle um, where you develop your own cultural historical lens through which you can interpret and analyze your own life. 
What? It's like some deep shit going on in Silmar. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, there is something called uh, the uh, Femme Reading Circle. Uh, the purpose of the circle is to provide a safe healing space for women femmes of the community that are interested in literature and aim to empower one another. Um, there's something called In the Words of Women. Um, and that is a group that strives to create and foster a safe space in which women can explore and develop their identity as writers. Um, and then there's uh, Noches de Canto y Poesía. So it's kind of uh, it's a, a time where you can go and there's music, there's poems, there's singing. Uh, and then there's also open mic. Like a poetry reading. Uh-huh. Um, like the moth in New York. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no. yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I got excited because I knew a reference to it. So. Um, and then Reiki healing, um, which is the whole uh, energy through your hands, Mr. Miyagi uh, stuff going on. So there's so much stuff uh, happening, and a lot of it is culturally relevant to like Aztec and uh, Mayan uh, roots and stuff like that. And um, they always have such amazing. Um, free events as well so it might be a bit of a drive from people in Los Angeles proper but if you're in the um, San Fernando Valley or you don't mind taking that ride out there uh, Tia Chuchas is just a, it's an amazing place to go and um, again Luis Rodriguez is very active in the uh, in the uh, anti-gang community so that's amazing. That's awesome. That is, I want to go. I want to go move <laughs> to San Fernando Valley. <laughs> no, you don't, first of all. Uh, but <laughs> okay, as soon as you said that, I knew that was a filthy line. Um, <laughs> I would like to go visit this place. I would not like to live in Silmar. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe being amongst, like, so many artists and creators, uh, Latinx creators and artists, at this convention, this expo, I feel like there's something missing in my life. Mm. Like, I I don't know. They were all from, like, Oregon, Northern California. There was a lot of... I was actually super, super surprised at how many people were not local. Exactly. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that bought plane tickets, drove here, however it was, plane, train, automobile, uh, automobile <laughs> got here um, for this convention when i mean when you when you look at it it's amazing as i'll get out Mm -hmm. um but like when you compare it to san diego or whatever i mean it it was pretty small it was one room but the fact that the reaches of it reached arizona and uh seattle and portland all those places i mean there was someone there from chicago Mm -hmm. that flew here to have her zines here at the table Mm -hmm. in long beach i thought that was freaking amazing exactly And, and that's what i'm saying i'm like um i don't know there's something inside me that's that's the fire is lit and and um now we just need to fan the flames like there's a park down the street here in Compton that I'm thinking we could, I don't know, organize something where you have the community come and join in. I don't know. I'm just, like, so excited about this whole thing. Well, uh, Melina Chavaria, the woman who made that amazing quote that I told you, um, actually lives in Watts. And she is, um, she is 
kind of talking about um, opening a comic shop in the community. That's amazing. So I told her I support her 100% and would help her in any way, shape, or form. And Melina, if you're listening, I put it out there, so now you got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you got to do it. Now you got to make a comic shop and watch. Maybe it could be a, a Comadre C Comics and Magic Glasses um, <laughs> event yes. going on here at this comic shop. That's yeah. awesome. That would be great. Um, but, yeah, that that's great news. Uh, this is very exciting. Uh, do they have a website or are they, they on Facebook? They do have a website. It's, um, I believe they probably are on Facebook. I didn't actually check the Facebook um, to double check, but Tia Chucha um, uh, it's uh, Tia T I A Chucha C H U C H A dot org. It is a nonprofit organization. Um, and uh, if you get an opportunity to read Always Running, uh, I've read it, and it's it's so super impactful and powerful for this uh, this youth who um, didn't feel like they had he had any other option but to join a gang and then to take uh, that um, to take his his own interest in in writing and poetry and to hang on to that to save himself and to move on and become educated um, and uh, now work in the community that uh, with with youth that is going through some of the same things and I mm-hmm. I use the term anti-gang before and that I that's not as accurate as I want to say not so much anti-gang but in uh, like supporting gang members into making better choices mm-hmm. I like that <clears throat> I like that alright guys well I guess that brings us to the end of our episode yeah do we have any shout outs or anything um shout out to Javier Hernandez for once again pulling out an amazing uh, Latin Comics Expo, Latino Comics Expo, mm-hmm. that we all very much enjoyed. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. And we definitely need to follow up with him and see if we can... I love your idea, Sarah, of having him um, include all the contact information for the tablers so that mm-hmm. people who left and didn't buy something but just couldn't get it off their mind uh, or have to somehow figure out how to listen to all the Commodity Comics podcasts that, <laughs> that, that they haven't heard up until now. Um, definitely, I think that that's... I, you know what? I shared my Chew Don't Know My Life shirt the other yeah. day on Facebook, and I had friends that were like, where do you get that shirt? Yeah. And so I was sharing his info, and I found it just by Googling, but some people, like you said, are too lazy to do that. So for me, I didn't even get a chance to walk up to his table. Uh, uh, like uh, I just mm-hmm. wanted to see the whole con and I feel like I missed a few little here's and there's because mm-hmm. there might have, have had people standing in front of the yeah. that I did. I didn't I couldn't wait for or yeah. what, whatnot. But yeah, for instance, that guy who was like two uh, two tables away from us and I couldn't get myself over there because there was people there all the time. Uh. So. Yeah, so that that would be a really good thing to do. Uh, for me, uh, I have a shout out. I'm having that art show slash Day of the Dead slash Halloween event at my home, so I will be sharing the flyer. Um, you can BYOB, <laughs> and it's a very do-it-yourself <laughs> art show. So uh, don't expect like a gallery with amazing lighting and you know, matte walls, it's really, really rustic. And when I mean rustic, I mean it's in a backyard. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, well, it's an open air gallery, right? <laughs> 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 you know, uh, we're just trying to, you know, have people who create art in um, meet people who want to buy art, and maybe something speaks to you, and um, you, you know, you get it from the artist, or you talk to him about him or her of how they were inspired to create a piece. It's really quite moving. Is there going to be food? No food. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no food. If you want, there's the Carl's Jr. down the street. Just <laughs> eat before you come. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't stress it enough. Eat before you come. <laughs> so that's this is important information. No, it's true. No, it's true. I, I have had other parties where I'll say, eat before you come. Please yeah. don't come uh, without having eaten because you're going to get drunk really fast. <laughs> oh, so you're offering drinks but no food. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Priorities. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is a poor man's art show. Not Needless to say, it's not because people aren't talented. Okay, so it's we provide a space where people who don't have enough work or uh, can't get the contact to actually be at a gallery, this is the place for them to show their work. Gotcha. And it's not just in their living room or in their, you know, in their room tucked between, the, you know, or under the bed. This is a place for them to display their artwork and possibly sell it. Um, so there's no food. Um, but I'm actually looking into creating some sangria. So oh, I have a recipe. Oh, nice. I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> All right. So that's what I'm shouting out, guys. Okay. So uh, in the vein of events that are happening, I have to give a plug for Heidi Ho Comics. We're having a big Black Friday sale. Um, well, I say big Black Friday, but I really mean to say small Black Friday sale. <laughs> But a big um, small business Saturday sale. So um, starting on Black Friday, which is the Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, we are will start a sale that is 20% off everything in the shop except for booster boxes of both Pokemon and Magic. But on Small Business Saturday, we are having a huge parking lot sale where all single issues will be 25 cents each or 100 for twenty dollars. What? Yes. Oh my God! Bring your short boxes. <laughs> yes. What? Oh my God! Sucker up! I'm so excited. So now. you have to remember, Heidi Ho is a big uh, location with uh, storage space upstairs. We also have storage units. Um, you uh, uh, might find a box of luchador mats. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's all hidden, a mystery. Hidden treasure. But right? yeah, we have so much overstock uh, that has been. Some of it has. We've had multiple, multiple uh, sales. Some of this stuff has never even been out to a sale. So you never know what you're gonna find. I mean, I we've had people who just randomly are like, oh, look what I found. And it was like something, a book that was worth the money. We had somebody buy a book that was in our uh, 50 cent section uh, that was a sealed, in a sealed Mylar bag that was like a, I don't know, it was it was a Hawkeye number one or something like that. But when he opened it, it was a freaking book signed by Stan Lee. Oh yeah. my god. And he bought god. it for 50 cents. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I gotta go. <laughs> it's just there's so much stuff that we can't go through. through. Yeah. Like we 
we try our hardest, but yeah. it's there's a lot. It's like it's a magically regenerating like fountain somewhere oh, where yeah. it just spews out <laughs> 80s and 90s comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm I'm very much convinced that those comics are breathing. Yeah, they just they just don't stop. Yes. Wow. So that's my shout out for Heidi Ho Comics. Stop by. I will be there both days, Friday and Saturday. Uh, and um, I will have a copy of Pone Noir for you if you'd like to purchase it. And um, I will uh, give you all my recommendations and all the books that we've ever reviewed on this show we probably have in the store. Excellent. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that concludes this episode. Uh, we have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.